So he can really consider himself lucky up to this point. But if I don't get that fucking jersey, that will ironically be the thing that sends me into full fucking rage mode. So I really want that fuck. I never thought I'd be speaking publicly saying that I really want my TSM jersey to arrive. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Side Select. A bunch of grumpy men talking about esports. My name's Foxtrop. I'm joined by the lovely Thorin and Rich. What do you like on your toast in the mornings, Foxtrop? See, I put you on the spot there, haven't I? Now you, oh fuck, yeah, it's, it's, Have it you seems seen easy. <laughs> seems easy to see what you had on your toast, doesn't it? But when you're in the hot seat, it's not quite that Actually, easy, is it? You know, it depends how lazy or how non-lazy I'm feeling. Because toast okay. is something I'm quite particular about, actually. Okay. So what I like to do is bovril. Do you know what bovril is? Isn't it a type of like meat-based soup? Why did everyone say that? Fuck Isn't it? I'm the radic personally. It's, it's not like shit. it's like it's like marmite, right? But there like kind of milder. People say that they're like, "Oh, isn't it like a stock or something?" It's like I've, I've always known it as a spread, but oh, apparently I don't know. Anyway, I, I thought it was a drink, but maybe that's just a side I use. Think people, them, I people do drink it. People do drink it. And this is this is a revelation that I came to okay. as an adult after you know two decades of of this 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 mildly beefy spread. Um, so you're into sort of like because if people don't know, obviously Marmite's the one that like is either really disgusting or people think yeah. it's the best taste ever. So that's your that's your like little that's your predilection is the is the bovril. Yeah, I like the bovril, but I also like jam and Nutella. So it's one of these three, okay. And what I do when I'm at a midnight snack because I know you are specifically in the morning, which is why there's an asterisk to this. Yeah. The midnight snack for me, three slices of toast, yeah. What you do is you put them all in at the same time. They'll pop. You take two, you take one of them out. You butter it. Next one, butter it. Don't touch the third one just yet. Okay. Then you come back to the first <laughs> one that you buttered. You put the bovril in. Then the the butter will have melted a little bit into the toast because of the warmth. It's just come Which out. Which is weird, better for sure. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And then the then the the, the bovril kind of melts into the toast with it. And then you can you can do the same. You can put some like some some jam on on the other one that you buttered as well. And then the Nutella one, you don't need butter on it, so you leave that till last. And that's thick enough anyway. It's not going to get absorbed by the bread yeah. regardless. It's far too thick for that. This is all and about then, the absorption bam. rate of the thing on <laughs> exactly. the toast. Exactly. Right? Okay. Exactly. So, there's a lot of thought going into this. You are right. You are very particular about your toast. I am. And uh, once that's done, that's it. Maybe you could read yourself as a streamer. You could be called sophisticated toast. <laughs> Just don't sexually <laughs> harass anyone. Which oh, is, by the way, good advice for streamers in general, believe it or not. You know? No, I'm, I'm a gamer. Let's not jump the gun. Yes, exactly. Much. That's quite difficult exactly. for me okay. to do. Okay. That was rather um... a seductive monologue for what is essentially three pieces of toast, and you put fucking bovril on it as well. Which... He does have sort well, of like... I'll give him credit. The way he describes it did make it sound a lot more compelling than just three pieces of toast. It's like, like even the way he didn't just say, you take two and you put butter on, he goes, you take one, you put butter on that one, you take the second one, you're going to put butter on yep. that one, but leave the third. Like, he almost had like a TV presenter sort of way of explaining and here's one I made earlier pulls out like his bovril fucking toast or whatever yeah straight up and make that sure point. you leave that second one in the toaster while you butter the first one because it retains the heat it retains the heat <laughs> okay <laughs> as soon as you take it out that heat is going it's going it's going you got you got to keep that so I can absorb more importantly <laughs> though what for the viewers at home what is the best kind of bread they can use for Ooh. that toast I love wholemeal bread for toast. I think wholemeal bread makes the best toast. What about sourdough? Not a sourdough well. man. Sourdough is good actually. Yeah, Sa sourdough is good, but I like that as like a 
either okay oh my goodness i'm gonna sound like such a snob here either you have that with something you know like either like like some soup or it, it's it's good like like fry up bread as well right like fry up toast or just butter and have it by itself i feel like a sourdough has enough of a taste you don't need a topping you know so you just get a bit of butter to make it a little bit you know easier to easy on the palate and then uh, down the hatch, mate. You don't need any other flavours. Let it. that butter set, obviously, sports fans. Otherwise, oh, oh yeah, big clearly, problems. it's the same thing. Same thing. You still put it in the toast, come out, and then quickly bury it ASAP. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Standard stuff. Are you enlightened in the way of toast? I'm tight. <laughs> I'm not even a breakfast fan, to be honest. So don't worry yeah, about that. No, you did say that. You skip breakfast most of the time. Yeah. Um, I feel like you know what? Fuck it. I'm not gonna ask you guys any questions. I'm gonna go straight into the. Into the topics for today, if that's all good with you. Although, Rich, you felt a little bit left out for the, for the, uh, from the toast topic. How do you like to take your toast? He likes to have his toast in a TSM jersey, I believe. Well, uh, it, oh, interesting, yo. interesting tidbit, actually. Oh, being, being, <laughs> being the great uh, sport that I am, obviously, okay. I was going to wear my TSM, my custom TSM jersey today. But I did say last time, and bearing in mind, we didn't do side select last week. So this is two weeks ago, mm. okay? And yeah. a day and a half after the show, so like morning time America, I ordered said TSM jersey. Has it arrived, you ask? No. Have they even sent it, you ask? No, they have not. Giving credence to my belief that they may actually have seen my name and my request. Sven Skerrin 5.5 fucking gay. He's got the name thing. And not actually sent it. Which, by the way, if it's true, all, yeah, all jokes aside, if that's true, that's outrageous. So, and also, I, I got given a, a predicted arrival time by, because obviously, you know, it's fucking international. Like, I'm not expecting next yeah, day yeah, delivery or something. But both, a week at least, yeah. Both TSM and FedEx gave me an estimated arrival time and that time has long since passed. And oh, it also, it doesn't even say like, you know, it's in the facility or blah, blah, blah. It literally says uh, destination ticket printed and which automatically goes through when you order it. So they didn't even necessarily do that. So yeah, it's just, I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll see, but they'll be sure to get uh, another follow-up ribbing if if this poor form <laughs> continues. All I wanted was a fucking jersey. What, what kind of fan service do you call that? Bloody Peter Zhang's probably walking around with his Fen 5.5 KTSM jersey <laughs> in his fucking backpack on his way over to the homeland, didn't he? <laughs> I'll take that as a souvenir. Yeah, exactly. Well, on the way to the door. <laughs> yeah, his, his greatest crime of all, if you really quantify them, let's, let's be fair. Mm, yeah, obviously, by far, by far. Um, we'll we'll have to make sure you get your jersey. Though. I mean, it's just the, the the universe would not be in balance without seeing you in your Svenska five point five k TSM t shirt. So hopefully that gets. I'm fuming, mate. I'm not gonna lie. Like, if you think about all the outrageous things that these cunts have been responsible oh, for no. after the last half, like, this is this is the the straw that broke the already broken camel's back. Like this is, I'm fuming. Ridiculous. Oh, the fucking jersey. Anyone who talks about the professionalism of esports or, you know, <laughs> oh, every team is profitable, but this fucking org, the most famous org in the world, can't even send a t-shirt through the post. Come on now. Who talks about who talks about the professionalism of esports unless it's followed up by the fact that there is no professionalism in esports? Well, 
I'm, I'm well, genuinely see, curious. To like, be fair, it is a company that does get rated in those ridiculous Forbes thing for like $400 million valuation. So you would figure they could at least send out checks notes, the literal replica jersey of their team, a sports team. Like you would think that would be the base level of what you could do, you know. It's just gone to shit since Lena's left, really. The joke is, like, I even said it on Twitter, but it's like, that really is true. It's like, you know, the meme of like, you know, like, wow, it's whatever. I can't, what's it, what was the original one? It was where the guy's looking at the Earth, the astronaut, he's like, wow, it's whatever. I assume it was, it's round or something, you know? Yeah, it's it always, round, has like, been. always was. The joke is, it's like that. It's like, wait a minute, Selena so was TSM, and then someone else is like, yeah, but she's a moron, and she's like, I know exactly, and that's how bad it is. Like, because the joke is, look, I never really rated her that highly, but you're right, the second she's left, it's all gone completely to shit, hasn't it? So she must be doing something. Bring back Lena, and then and then finally, exactly. Rich will get his shirt. Hopefully, that's wow. the hashtag I'm gonna start. Bring back Lena. I'm gonna get a whole movement, a whole social movement going on it. Exactly. Excellent. All right. I think it's time to talk about some esports topics. Well, it kind of counts as half an esports topic, plus the toast conversation. Close to my heart, so that's fine as well. LEC, finally, we got the playoffs coming through. Oh my goodness, how long was that break? Like three weeks or something? You finish regular season, then you got to wait a month so you can play some playoffs. That's crazy. What a cock tease. But we're here now, at least. We have three matchups to talk about. We've got uh, Fnatic G2, XL Vitality, and Rogue versus Misfits. Now, it's worth mentioning here. Do correct me if I'm wrong, but Rogue chose Misfits. They had a choice of who to play against, yes, I believe. they did. And, uh, yeah, so they chose... It was G2 or Misfits they could play against, and they chose Misfits. Um, so there's a little caveat to start with. I just want to get you guys' thoughts on, on, on these matchups. So as a reminder, Rogue, Misfits, Fnatic, G2, XL, Vitality. Um, hit me, Rich. What are your thoughts on these LEC matchups? So, yeah, I mean... Going chronologically, Rogue Misfits is the first game. Um, I'm picking for this one what in the basketball sphere we call as a gentleman's sweep. And basically, I, I think that VTO is a good enough player. It's kind of like LeBron on those crappy Cavs teams against the Warriors. It's like he's good enough that he'll get you one on his own. But I think ultimately Rogue wins this fairly comfortably. Um, I think they're just like outmatched individually across the board and where there's the closest matchup, which is mid lane, the other mid lane's Larson. So it's kind of like a bit of a wash there anyway. Um, Rogue is stronger top jungle. Um, I guess the jungle is, you know, you, you don't quite know necessarily what's going to happen with Maorang, but I still give him the edge in that matchup over his left hand for sure. Uh, I think bot's actually closer than a lot of people think. Uh, I do still think Rogue has the, the better bot lane, but obviously there are question marks over Trimby in the playoffs. Mercer is actually a decent support, I think, just very inexperienced. And as people know, I've been bigging up Neon all split. So, you know, got to stick with my boy Neon. But I actually think the biggest difference between Rogue this offseason and last offseason is their later game macro. Like, obviously, there were the memes about 20-minute Rogue, it's time to implode or whatever. I think you could make an argument that they've been the best post-20-minute team during the regular season. Um, obviously, the flip side of that is, yes, Misfits had some crazy late-game comebacks or whatever, but if we're honest, those were predicated on uh, comp and mistakes being made by the other teams, and then essentially the comp just comes online and it's like an AD carry fest. So, yeah, I think Rogue is, is better um, than they are late. I think Rogue is better than they are early. And as I said, I do think that Misfits are good enough to get a game for sure, probably off the back of VTO. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm going to say Rogue 3-1. Okay, so that's your Rogue Misfits. Do you want to bounce between each other with the same series? And then yeah, if you don't. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
So, right. Dorian, what's your thoughts on that? For this anything? one, I'm also in the scenario where I w I don't really know a reason why Misfits would win any game in this series, except VTO is just the best individual player in LEC, and if he gets the right pick and he gets ahead in lane and maybe he just does something incredible. But basically, beyond that, unfortunately, I don't think we've had the metas. I even think, unfortunately, people have seen enough games of Neon carry team fights. I think he'll just get some of his champions banned away and he just won't even have the chance to pick whatever the OP shit is in the meta at the time. So, unfortunately, I expect Rogue to very easily handle this particular game. I don't even think they really have any edges against them, like I say. Like, even the VTO angle. Look who he's going against, like... Mm -hmm. A fucking amazing consistent mid laner. Like he's not. It's not really the play you're going to get a billion solo cues, kills off on, is it? So unfortunately for me, I think this is just. I think G Rogue has picked the correct matchup here. I think G two, even though they were lower ranked, was actually like the trap pick that could have potentially fucked you over. I think they've made the right move here. And if people are thinking to last summer when these two teams, different Rogue lineup, played that five game series, the Misfits team at that time was way better than the actual team is now. Like VTO might be better now. People like hear it are way worse now than they were in that last split. He was actually one of the better top laners that split. This split for me, he's been mega ropey. I think he might be the worst top lane in the fucking playoffs. So I think if you look at the squad overall, I think Rogue's just too good across the board. All their laners minus mid lane, I would give the edge to VTO, but it's a slight edge. I have Larson number two in the rankings. And I think at key positions like jungle support, I actually think they're going to get fucking murked, the Misfits players. So I don't, it's not against Misfits. I think they were, it's crazy they were even in position to be third and even top four, maybe even. Maybe there's a world where you would have expected Vitality to be there or someone, maybe Mad Lions or something. So fair play to them for getting this far, but I do not think they will be winning this series. I think this is probably the, uh, the series that Rogue has a bit of reputation of, of being chokers in playoffs. Uh, and, you know, this is absolutely in rogue's favor i agree with both you guys definitely should be going to them and i think the gentleman sweeps a very good way to put it um if something happens here then that's when i don't know you've got us you got ask some big fucking questions about that rogue roster um if they can't if they can't take this match up uh, so let's move to the next one then uh fanatic versus g2 that's a classic you, you love to see that um what are your thoughts on that one rich coming back to you on this yeah but just to finish on the the last thing you said by the way to me if, mm. if Rogue would lose that series, as you sort of alluded to, it, huge, huge inquest or whatever. Again, I said this on the on the award show. I'm first and foremost looking at the coaching staff because this would be the yeah. however many playoff runs in a row where you have by far the best team in a, going into a series and things just fall apart. And you have, because it's a best of five, you do have your opportunities to show who you are oh, and yeah. adapt and make the call. So that would be the first place. I'm like, obviously, there'll be an overlap with a player's you know, choking or, or yeah. what have you. But yeah. Um, so yeah, when it comes to Fnatic uh, G2, I actually have this as a 3-0 Fnatic, which might surprise some people. Um, I don't even necessarily... I just don't believe in G2, honestly. Uh, just specifically in this matchup as well, I think it's just a really bad matchup. And I'm not going to give G2 a game in the same way that I sort of gave the, you know, Misfits a game in the gentleman sweep sense, because I don't actually... I don't attribute a Caps to a LeBron anymore. Like, I just don't right now. Um, you know, even the times he did pop off this year, it just didn't feel the same as it did in the past and it wasn't to the same extent. I'm actually more likely to give that to Jankos and his potential to come, you know, come up and have a great early game, which might net them a win. But I, I'm actually going to go for 3-0. For I think Fnatic comfortably takes this one. Um, 
outside of bot lane, where Fnatic have a huge advantage, in my opinion, uh, I don't think individually there's that much difference in like the other roles. Um, but I just think Fnatic are way better in the skirmishing and team fighting, uh, especially if Hilly plays pick champions. I don't think that G2 can match up to that. And I don't think they can avoid the dive either. I think Fnatic are just set up really well to counter G2 because obviously G2, if people will remember, even going way back when to when they were absolute apex, their biggest thing, like their their forte was the, the skirmishing, particularly in the early and mid game uh, river fights. They were the kings of this. And I actually think Fnatic do that better than G2 do it now, which is why I think this is a really bad individual matchup. It's not necessarily that I'm going all in on Fnatic or I'm really down on G2. I just think stylistically... The areas where G2 are strong, supposedly, are where Fnatic are stronger, and I don't see them winning out outside of those those parameters. So, yeah, I'm going to go Fnatic 3-0. Uh, I would be way more surprised if G2 won this series than if Misfits won the Rogue series. And, right. I'd be, and I'd be really surprised. I'd be pretty surprised if Misfits <laughs> won the Rogue series. So, Okay, big favourites on Fnatic. Do you agree with that, Thorne? I'm going to take Fnatic to win, but I don't, I don't, I'm not taking it as like they're going to smash and it'll be like, I think Rich is stating it a lot more emphatically than I would. Like, I expect G2 will win a game. I would say 3 1 Fnatic would be my pick. The problem I have is this I don't think I can pick any like moment in the game where G2 will definitely have an edge. Like, I don't really know that like they'll have great macro and close out the game, even if they're ahead. I don't really know that they're going to be like good if it's like mid game team fighting at like even stance, etc. But I do think of the teams in the playoff like to me on paper they're just a solid like third best team but I actually don't think they're going to beat Rogue or Fnatic I think they're the best teams and I think it's going to be between those two teams who wins the league so even though I think Fnatic also has a few flaws like the first thing I have to say immediately is the jungle position Razork has had a fucking nightmare of a split yeah he had a couple of games at the end where spoiler everyone else in Fnatic by then was already really good and the team was considered like the unofficial best by the players because obviously the players from scrims are claiming like in theory Fnatic should be the best one they, even if they don't like win any of the scrims apparently like you just see them play and you know they can be better than they are and all that jazz it's true for everyone else it paid off I think even by the end of the split there was some real big issues with Razog. I couldn't believe I saw people voting him for all LEC. That really is like, I can't tell if that's like either they just believe he's going to be better in the playoffs, which I don't really know where that's from. He's barely played playoffs in his career. Or if that's just like they go off name value. And obviously last year, if you were being lazy and you didn't watch the games, last year's last split, he might have been the best jungler. So I don't get why that's being picked at all. I think personally, it's a whack as fuck angle. So I think jungle wise, that's my main concern. I actually think Jankos is a much better player than Razog right now. And I can rely on Jankos in playoff series the guy is fucking money you'd have to go back in time at half a decade to find where Jankos drops off in the playoff spots this is one of the most battle-tested players probably ever to play in LEC so to me I think like G2 they're good enough to win a game I don't think they can threaten that many of the others suffering and if it's going to be a four-game series for me I get a couple of them will be like a runaway from Fnatic they should have a way better roster I think even even if you look at the lanes like in theory the best lane for G2 relative to the league is top lane most people would say maybe Broken Blade is the best top laner the problem they have is Wonder doesn't have to be the best top laner and actually he looks like he's fully back in his old G2 mode of where half the time his picks and his players seem to just be like it's almost like oh do I'm this stuff it's like just absorb pressure or just just waste this guy's time and don't die too many times so I think he can be a good enough distraction it neutralizes any advantage he had in that position and it goes without saying listen Tagarnas had a very nice rookie split 
people are voting the Fnatic support potential MVP of the league. So I just don't see where they get their edges. And as Rich says, listen, if Caps comes back and somehow does roll back the years, I'll give him his props. But I've seen nothing to suggest he's going to do the crazy Caps shit that we did. I mean, the saddest thing is, if you think about how I was describing Vito earlier, that used to be how you would have talked about Caps if it was the same lineup, but it was the old Caps. You'd be like, look, he's good enough for at least one game himself. Maybe he has like a crazy series, but I don't think it's enough. So in this particular case, like I don't think it's going to be like some monster stomp, but I would say a comfortable win for Fnatic. That would, that's what it would have to be as well, I think, for, for G2 to win. It would have to be old caps, basically being old caps. And it would have to be um, Broken Blade pushing Wonder shit in, which I don't think is going to happen. I mean, obviously, I was very harsh on uh, Wonder at the start of the season. And by the way, if you go back and look at it, I think that was fully justified. But I would be dishonest if I said that I he hadn't improved over the course of the split and now he was I wouldn't go so far as to say he was like it was a lot more 20... gradual than fans made out yeah because they did make out from like week one he was already the best against like no way it took, it took a long time to get there yeah I mean and it's relative to his peers he's not peak wonder because peak wonder was I think there was a gap between him and the next best top laner but he's in the conversation for one being oh. one of the better tops whereas in the first couple of weeks I did legitimately think he was playing pretty poorly but he's a legit top laner now I don't think Broken Blade's gonna diff him enough let's say to get an edge and yeah as as Thorin said like unless caps is apex caps then I just don't understand how they can win Yankos would just have to all in on a play style where he's going going for it in the early game and basically you lose after seven minutes if it hasn't paid off like I I don't see it beyond that I have one other angle I forgot to say, actually. This was a thought I was just thinking about recently when I was just thinking generally about actually watching the players, not even for a talk show. And one thing I was thinking about was the weird angle is, I notice people never, even when we do these theory crafting of like lane versus lane, like team versus team, like historical stuff, have you noticed how we almost never actually bring up the coaches? Like you did it for the Rogue One, which is fair play, that actually is an important historical precedent. Like if you think about it, there's only Larson left on that team from all the other ones. So at the end of the day, if they feel it again this time, it can't just be Larson's fault. It must be the fucking coaching staff too. But I'd say similarly, that's a, that's another reason, by the way, why I'm not as high. Like, spoiler, I said it on different shows so people can see the whole explanation. Now, I'm actually going to take Rogue to win the LEC. And one of the reasons why is my default team was, of course, Fnatic because they have the best roster on paper. The players gradually got better and better through the split. I thought the bot lane was the best the whole time. There's a million factors, but here's one aspect that actually does put me off a little bit. I'm never someone who was a hater of Yamato Cannon, but I'm skeptical that he's like the best coach and he's like the mastermind or something. And I, I went back and I looked, and dude, his teams don't appear to get any playoff buff whatsoever. If you go back and look, they seem to genuinely just be the same team in the playoffs as they are in the normal split. Now, that's not a diss, by the way. There's very few people can just make their team go to another level because it's a playoff game. But it's not... But I'd just say, if you were a Fnatic fan... You might, you're you're hoping that this team is even better in the playoffs and that Humanoid goes to even another level. You're not hoping that the exact team that turns up from the split turns up because that team can lose games. That team for sure can look ropey every now and then. So I would just say that's an interesting detail in itself. Like that's an angle for me. I could even say the same for G2. Like G2 has done an all right job. But like, I think this is the lineup where if they finish number one with this, like Dylan Falco will be getting coached in the split. All the rest of it. I've been a little bit underwhelmed. I thought these guys would do a little bit more. They haven't done a bad job, but they haven't done anything that makes me think of the coach first. I can just look at the players with these two teams. On on the Umato point, just uh, like anecdotally, and I'm not really yeah, sure anything here because they, these guys have said it publicly as well. But if you talk to players after they've been coached by Umato Cannon during like the honeymoon phase of any team that he's on, all of them give him ludicrous props and they say that he does things 
that other coaches just simply have not done. It's rarely, or at least they've never specifically said to me that it's like some in-game thing or something like that. It's always to do with how uh, professional, commanding, um, how organized he is, how he really backs and trusts his players yes. and they feel like he truly believes in them when he, no matter what draft he gives them or how difficult a comp it is to execute on stage, he always makes them feel like they can win no matter what and that he's really, really good at this. Yes. And then that does seem to dwindle somewhat as the seat, which is natural. Like those aspects always yeah, will dwindle unless you back it up with immediate and constant success, which possibly they they can do or, or not but i do think that his style of coaching again this is purely from an outsider perspective i don't know what he does on the day-to-day -day. it does seem to favor uh regular seasons in a way um and again this is minus any information i have about you know how he might change his approach during a best of five or something like that but i, I do think that's worth pointing out and again that's nothing against him. As I said, he's doing something that basically oh, yeah. no other coach does really because most coaches are like 24-year-olds who have zero charisma or presence and aren't even capable of controlling their own charges. But uh, yeah, I think that's worth noting. Also, if you look at his career, it seems like a coach who's very good in BO1. Yes. He's been, he's been mega. At, you know, we go back and look at those Vitality teams. They were the best at coming up with some bullshit early game strat or some crazy band-aid to make like... Mowgli or some Korean jungler just work with like fucking Jazuki mm. or something like but the problem with that is that only works for one game and as a surprise you can't do five of those in a row and which by the way used to be what used to happen in the playoffs they would make it to the, like the quarters of the semis and then they would never make the run to the final would they which is nuts by the way and this is the, again this like mega tangent but I think this is something that's like really aggravated me for years and LS has I saw LS talking about this and apparently he's consistently brought it up so I'm not going to pretend that this is like new information or whatever but it's always blown my mind when weak teams or weaker teams try and play conventional against other teams. I won't go into his card game analogy and all the rest of it, but I find that so mental that when you're going up against another team who everyone knows basically has better players in every position, has a way better record than you, that you think, okay, well, they're probably going to pick this first, so we'll pick the next best top player. It's like, what are you doing, man? Like, at this point, you're a less good team. Your goal is to get into playoffs. You're not a shoe-in. Pick what you think is going to win for you, and most likely that's going to be some whack comfort pick that the other person doesn't have a lot of experience playing against. And the we have to, as a League of Legends scene, get out of this mold of the pixel perfect, like what is the the objectively best thing and how should we do it? And just understand that playing to people's and individual strength is way more powerful than just going down the tier list of every champion and trying to match up against players who are better than you at those champions. It's absolutely mind-blowing that coaches are still a slave to this. One of the things that Sheepy never got enough props for but I think you know I wasn't really giving him that much props for because it was so obvious to me at the time this guy was the king of cheese and he was almost diminished and people were saying oh sheepy yeah sure he always makes it to playoffs and they always have runs way beyond what their budget should dictate but I'm not going to give him props because he's just cheesing uh, hello like he's doing something which is way more in innovative than what everyone else in the league is doing he's managed managing to get huge edges by going in a completely different direction he's not stealing any strats from anyone he's not playing people in scrims and be like mm, the way they play that's really he's gone his complete own path and managed to create a system of comfort and cheese for lack of a better word um, which it really should have a different word because it's got such negative connotations. Oh, and some sort of fucking it. hobbyist magazine, comfort yeah. and cheese. 
<laughs> yeah, and it, and it, and it works for for split after split after split. It wasn't a fluke at all. So all these teams who who languish at the bottom of the LEC, trying to play fucking contesting Graves top and like, what are you doing, man? Just play some fucking Ivan mid or some weird shit and get a win. Like, I don't know. It's, it's got to be like an ego thing, both on the player and the coaching side. Bringing it back then to the playoffs we were talking about, you guys seem pretty confident that it's uh, it's it's your Mark Cannon's Fnatic that should be able to take that one over G2. I personally think Fnatic's the best team in the league. Um, you know, Rogue currently, currently, yeah. So um, I think that's going to be a really tough one for G2 to beat. Um, but as you say, there there are avenues to do it if Caps has a, has a crazy day and and top you know Broken Blades can really bring it to Wonder, um, which I think. I, I'm not expecting, and I think the bot diff is going to be a bit, a bit too much. Really, I think upset and Hillsang are just crazy strong, and the best bot that we have in in the West. Honestly, let's move on to the last matchup to talk about. Then I think it's going to be more of an interesting one to talk about because this one is chaotic as shit. XL versus Vitality. Vitality kind of sque- like squeaking into the playoffs. XL making their first playoffs. Um, I feel like it's almost impossible to predict how this one's going to go to be honest um with the way that these teams have either performed previously or, or just like uh the, their, their track records of which we don't have a lot to say about excel and vitality definitely have not performed up to uh what you would historically expect out of their roster so what do you think of excel versus vitality rich who's going to take that one i think this is by far the most interesting series it won't get the same viewership as fanatic g2 for obvious reasons but this is going to be a way better series i think maybe not to a purist because as you say in my opinion neither of these teams have like a really defined identity of how they play and i feel like they don't necessarily know exactly the best way that they they perform uh, or the system that they perform in but i think this is definitely the most interesting one and this is the only one i can see going to a best of five uh, at least a- ahead of time i am going to pick vitality um i just think that they have too much know-how and clutch gene to not win out in this i think that xl are going to be really nervous like in a weird way you know as much as XL were constantly breaking hearts on the last days of regular seasons or whatever. I think they're going to have a heartbreaking game five loss if I had to guess. I just think that, you know, I can't really bet against perks in a scenario like this. If if they're really outmatched, you know, if it's if it's Fnatic or Rogue versus Vitality, I can just pick Rogue and all this intangible stuff or whatever. It's less effective, right? I mean, it, it gives you the window, but I think it's you're far less likely to have success. But I think when the teams are relatively evenly matched, which I think these teams two teams are, I think you'd actually probably say that XL are probably in better form, I guess. But to me, it's sufficiently close that I, I think it will come down to that. And I do think Vitality have the intangibles. Um, yeah, I think... Uh, I don't know. It's also difficult when you look at, at um, XL to really pick out individual win conditions that are like super obvious. You've got Finn, who, by the way, has had a quietly decent split, in my opinion. Um, I, I was actually surprised. I thought quite a lot of people would vote for him in their third place for top lane just because their top wasn't like a really super obvious role, like who the best three were. I thought maybe maybe he'd get a few votes and he didn't really get any, which I actually thought was a little bit harsh. But when last seen in LEC in a playoff series, this guy absolutely turbo sprinted it like no top laner has ever turbo sprinted it in playoffs. So that is relevant context. Nuke Duck, 
uh, he's had a good split as well, I'd say. Like, good regular season, but do I see him sort of taking over a series versus Perks in a best of five? No, I don't really. So then we basically come back to what it's always been on XL, which is how hard can Patrick carry? And I don't feel like... I know we got the third team all pro, and we'll talk about this later. I don't think Patrick's had one of those splits where it's like, oh, XL win, and of course, again, it was Patrick Carr. Like, I really didn't feel that. I mean, it happened in a few games, but I don't feel like Patrick is playing at his apex. I don't think he played at his apex last split as well. So I, I, give a, I think he's a year removed from when he was last playing really, really well. And I certainly don't think it's enough to carry an entire series. So... Yeah, obviously self-made when it comes to the jungle matchup. Self-made is a better jungler than Markoon. Um, whether he'll show up in the series or not is another question entirely. I just think the problem is it's difficult to craft win conditions over a best of five series where I'm comfortable saying that XL will win. I think if this was a BO1, I'd give XL a really good chance at winning this. I just think when you have as much experience and minds that are as smart about the game as Vitality have and as much ex at clutch gene and know-how as someone like Perks has. As a series goes on and on and on, and I do think this will go five games, it's difficult for me not to back in a relatively even matchup that the team that has Perks won't win. Um, I know that's a bit sort of uh, singular in, in the angle, but as I said, I just can't think of a really obvious way that XL wins the best of. I don't know whose back this is going to go on, and I don't think there's anyone individually who's going to take it by the scruff of the scruff the neck even patrick so a close series but the perks factor will be the difference for, for vitality yeah, bit, bit yeah. in five bit in five bit in five so what's uh what's your take on that phone jiggery i have a similar sort of take but with slight distinction so first of all i do think this could this is the most obviously close matchup of them all not just because it's five versus six but this actually smacks completely to me of last summer when you had vitality against fanatic and they had that epic five game series mm. which if you remember for real fanatic almost lost that and just went out in sixth place everyone forgets now because they came second but that they had that a crazy run through that lower bracket and that was probably the closest craziest and closest match like that was the one that easy could have gone the other way I have a similar vibe there where I think either team could win. But I actually think the difference is, I think both of these teams have shown, like XL don't look like a very flawed team in terms of how they play it. They're just not that good a roster. Vitality looks massively flawed in terms of how they play, but as a roster that looks like it should be way better. So to me, they're almost like mirror opposite teams. I even think if you look at the composition of how the teams are made up, XL has the better supportive elements to support and jungler on average. I think the fucking self-made and Lavrov have no synergy and individually have looked dodgy in their own ways. But then you look at the laners, you'd way rather have the laners of Vitality over the laners of the XL players. So to me, a lot of these factors just mean it should be a way closer game. But I actually think the two, both teams overall aren't that good. So I don't know that it'll be five games because I could see it being one where every game's close, but like whoever wins, wins 3-1. And I'm going to say that the 3-1 winner will be Vitality in this case. The main reason why, like Rich says, this isn't, I don't typically do tons of the like intangible stuff as my predictions, but I do think Perks and his clutch factor in playoff buff is a massive intangible. If people don't know, I you can go back and watch the shows. I said in my all of my shows before that Worlds group, 
Do not be surprised that there is a world where Cloud9 and Perks just do a miracle. Like, I never thought they'd get out of the group, obviously, but I thought they could pull off an upset. I said that on my shows. You can go check it out. So, to me, I don't bet against Perks unless I think the other team is significantly better. So, look, spoiler, later in the playoff bracket, I almost certainly will pick against him. Not in this match, though. In this match, I think Perks, Alfari are just too good. I think they do get it done. I, listen, Southmade will probably have an in-game or two, but I don't know that Marcoon, who, remember, is still pretty inexperienced in his own career. I don't know that he's in the position to take full advantage for the whole series and he seems a little bit more limited based on which champion he's going to play and then the last factor and this is what really kills it for XL if this was taking place in like week 8 we could just play on that patch at that time maybe XL wins the series maybe I even pick him but my problem is this in the meta we're going into right now it's like you said Rich the obvious win condition is Patrick Mate, whatever the strongest ADC is, I'm just banning that. That's all I do. So if Jinx is still in the meta, that's a ban. If it's coming up to play, I mean, fuck, what was it they were saying that we're going to play that? Kites or whatever, that's a ban. If I just ban these champions, Nukeduck can pick wherever he wants, mate. Finn can have his fucking cled. Have at it. I don't think it's enough to win a five-game series. So as much as I actually think... Next week, we might be discussing again Vitality and their flaws and why they won't win the next series. This one, I think they've got just enough to get take over. I think they can handle this series. I think one thing that's worth mentioning is that the the dynamic of what the game means or what the series means for both teams, and by that I mean for XL, I feel like this is their final. In that, and it doesn't matter if they lose technically. Yeah, yeah. No one's going to blame them. Yeah, if they, this, but this is their final. And when I say, I mean, this is as big as it's going to get. If they win, they're not beating Rogue or Fnatic in a best of. Like, there's zero scenarios or win conditions where that that can even happen, other than illness, basically, or injury or imploding. Um, whereas for Vitality, as bad and as rocky a season as they've had so far, I still feel like anything less than minimum making the final is still a massive failure. And you could see a scenario potentially where if Vitality start this series and they look pretty good and they kind of ramp up as the series goes on and they win 3-0 or 3-1 or something, then they can come back into the reckoning, depending on how, how the games look, of, yeah, these are actually still a very dangerous team and a legit contender. So I think that's a sort of interesting dynamic. Because as I said, usually there'd be a lot of pressure on one or both teams or whatever. In this scenario, I actually still think there's way more pressure on Vitality than there is on XL, because I think XL basically have a free hit here. Either they win and it's amazing and they go to the semi-finals and it's their best ever placement. It's already their best ever placement because they made playoffs for the first time. Or, you know, for Vitality, if they lose, it's disaster and roster changes are incoming, I would suggest. So, yeah, I do think that's an interesting part of it. I uh, I would have said I was going to say the same. Like if you if you're if you're zooming out a little bit just from this series and you thought about which team had the potential to maybe make like a bit of a dark horse surprise run, uh, you take Vitality every day of the week, hundred percent, just from the potential of, of of the players. But I mean, it's 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 Schrodinger's Vitality. You know, do they exist as this super team or do they not? You know, no one really knows, and we haven't seen it really in the regular season. Even, yeah, it was it was disappointing. It was disappointing regular season to say the least. And um, I think on their best day, one hundred percent they should beat XL. What vitality are we going to see? That is the question. And uh, I would still maybe give the edge to Vitality, as you mentioned. Thorin betting against Perks is always a bad idea. That Rogue versus Cloud Nine games at, uh, at Worlds, just holy shit! I remember watching that, thinking, God, Perks is just like. Perkins playing like it's solo queue, man. It's worlds, and if you lose this game, he's out. But he just doesn't give a shit. He's just running around and just making it all happen. And you know, I, I, sometimes you can overthink it if you're maybe a bit more inexperienced. Uh, and I think maybe that will happen to Excel as well. But yeah, I am. Um, yeah, Vitality, I think, are just 
they're too experienced, man. I think that they're, they're far too good for that playoffs to go out and to go out now will be a complete disaster for that team. So that sums up our LEC playoff matchups. We'll talk a little bit more about the LEC uh, later on in the show, talking about the uh, the All Pro stuff because I know you guys got some spicy opinions about that one. But uh, let, let's shift a little bit here, take a break from League of Legends. Let's talk about Valorant now. Um, Sean Gares, he has announced that he's retiring as a caster, not going to be casting the shooty games anymore. Uh, and instead, he didn't actually mention it during his retirement, but I believe he's now being picked up by Valorant. Uh, by Valorant. Under Thieves. Under Thieves. Yes. Um, as their Valorant, uh, he's either the coach or their I think it's or the coach. GM, like, it was DDK's yeah. casting partners yeah. the GM now, yeah. Gotcha. Okay, so he's going to be the coach for, for Valorant. If you guys don't know Sean Gares, I mean... He he's he was around for a long time in the CSGO scene, playing for for Cloud9, and and now as a you know Valorant personality. As someone who you know somewhat follows that CS:GO and Valorant scene, you know this is always a guy that kind of stood out for me because he was charismatic, and I love that when it comes to to on on air talent, charisma for me is the number one. Uh, yeah, it's just number one personality trait that you can have. Uh, and being an ex-pro as well helped him out a lot. But either way, he's decided to step back. Now, this is slightly, I don't want to say like controversial, but like it has raised questions about the roles of casters in uh, in esports and kind of like the ceiling at which, uh, you know, you kind of just achieve the most you can achieve as a caster. And there's not really anything else to do. You know, you kind of reach that peak and then it's like, okay, what do I do from here? It's why people like Deficio left, uh, uh, Papa Smithy as well. And arguably now for Sean Gares too. But there's also been an argument released by uh, Dex Erto. They had an article mentioning uh, Richard Lewis says that this is arguably because he's, uh, Sean Gares is becoming too popular for Riot to, to, to control and to harness. And that Riot like to have uh, just control over everything as, as we've, we've seen from, from, from ages past. Uh, and they don't like it when personalities become a bit too big. They can't control them. They don't want to have the, these these kingmakers, so to speak. Uh, and would rather deal with with smaller personalities on their broadcast, and they can fully control what's going on and uh, all that lovely business. Um, now, I think I, I should mention as well, Sean Garris announcing his retirement in the wake of not being invited to Reykjavik as a, as part of the casting talent. That's quite important detail there. Um, a lot to take in there. Sean Garris versus Riot. I just want to get your overall opinions. You know, what do you think Riot is like in general when it comes to their broadcast talent and this situation specifically? Uh, what does it mean for like for for kind of like shout casting and and this casting role in general working with Riot? Uh, I'll come to you first, Soren, because you are you've you've done you, you have some uh, expertise in this field. What are your thoughts? The main problem I see with this topic, right, first and foremost at the outset, let's just set the table. Riot, at the end of the day, it's their event, it's their game. They can actually invite anyone they want. They aren't obliged to listen to me, anyone else. They can have a totally different perspective. In theory, taste is subjective, and they can think this guy is good and that guy is good. Like, they could believe Rivington's better than Sean Gares or whatever the fuck. I don't know what their, their hierarchy of values is, but let's say that's all plausible, right? Obviously, I'm addressing this from the context of, like, who do I think is good? Who do I think is good for esports? Who do I think would be good for Valorant? And I think this is one of the biggest fucking L's Riot has taken in years. Because essentially, Sean Gares and his partner, DDK, who both come from CSGO and were very respected as, like, knowledgeable analysts, and they'd even, in Valorant, moved into casting and, be, from the very beginning, been doing tons of practice hours, official games, everything. And they basically wanted, not to be analysts, they wanted to be, like, the main casting duo right and the problem goes like this that is exactly where they fucked up as Richard said in his article because basically there's a little bit of pretext here that I'll very briefly explain which is 
in the history of broadcast talent, talent at the end of the day were actually just like beginner people are now in riot games, which is you're just someone who's got talent. You like being a commentator, an analyst, a host. You sit around, you hope you get the gig. Do you get in back in the day, the World Cyber Games or whatever the event might be? You hope you get the invite. If you don't, back then, by the way, you don't even bitch about it. You don't say anything online. You just go, oh, well, take it on the chin. You hope you get it next time or you hope you get the in with the right person in the company you can talk to and can get, get some sort of another gig and get put you get your foot in the door one day. The problem in the modern day is two names. They're called Artosis and Tasteless. And when these guys came along, they not only became like, Bigger than their game. They really were, by the way. Like, if they weren't casting the biggest StarCraft 2 match back in the day, the joke is it may as well not be happening. Like, all fans would complain about it. It's like, why aren't they the ones casting the game? So they essentially had transcended their game. In fact, I bet there's people watching this stream right now who never watched StarCraft 2, but no, Tessus and Artosis are. They're the most legendary casting duo, and specifically duo of all time. But the problem is, I will just say, they did abuse that and exploit it, I think, way too far. Like, basically, there are stories I heard from the people involved, where people told me stories like, because Tesla Tosis knew they had the status as number one and knew they were the fan lock, as it were. Not only would they ask for things like first class flights, business class flights from Korea to every event, etc. They'd also ask for not only the highest rate, but I heard stories where other people in the scene who were up and coming people just at their level, they would essentially tell them, look, it doesn't make any sense if we're all like battling each other. You have to tell me what you're asking for and it has to be below my amount. That way, that we can maintain like a hierarchy and a value. Otherwise, how are we going to negotiate against these people? And essentially, I think that's like, essentially it's predatory behavior. You're using like the fact you have someone in your confidence or they're looking up to you and you're using your position to not only secure your bag, but make sure his bag's never as big. So to me, that's a bit fucked up. Now, the reason why I bring that up is to actually just set a fair precedent that I understand why not just Riot Games, but in general, big tournament organizers, I can tell you ESL did this in CSGO themselves, don't want a taste of scenario again they don't ever want a duo that not only is the duo so you must hire them but even worse you must hire them as a duo even if you don't like one of them and then thirdly that they get bigger than the game and as a result every fan essentially you're, it's like your arms behind your back you have to do what the fan says you don't have a choice anymore unfortunately this is the issue whereas ESL was more subtle because CSGO is an open circuit as to how they disrupted the duos they would do things like early on try and hire one of you not the other this exactly thing happened to DDK and Sean Gares in Valorant. They would do things like try and mix up the casting pairs at tournaments. Just say, hey, why don't you do a game with D-Man, Anders? Why don't you, Semler, go and do a game with fucking Tosspot or something? They would do it that way as well. They would do all these uh, these little tricks. The difference with Riot is because they essentially do control their whole space. They do all this stuff times 10. And then I'll add in a last detail, which is a big problem for me. Another reason I think they don't want... Like Richard says, they don't want someone like Sean Gares to be in the position where he just has to be hired. It's because then he can drive rates up. Once he works this event and you know he has to be hired because he's mega, he can ask for a bit more. He can hold out. Perhaps, remember that story earlier this year, Ala Shocks, where she was supposed to come back for, was it like week two or week three? She didn't because they hadn't got the deal done. That nearly always means you couldn't agree on the price. That's usually the, the thing that's the sticking point, obviously. So unfortunately, I think not only, and this is why, if you remember, Monty and Papa Smithy aren't in League of Legends anymore. 
because Riot owns their whole ecosystem, they don't have to be as competitive as the other games are. And CSGO, the reason why I can fuck with Blast over my rate is because I can also go the next week, back in the old days, and do some Russian tournament for one and a half times the money. So I can actually sort of play hardball and go, look, I'll just, I can get the money either way, mate. So it's actually a question of how much do you want me? You can't do that in a Riot game, because in a Riot game, it's the other way around. You want to work their event. So they always have the power dynamic anyway. And in my opinion... This is the only problem I have. Like I said, a lot of this is normal behavior for the industry and a lot of what TOs want because TOs have a conflict of interest with talent. They want it to be cheaper to hire talent. They want to have say over who they put in positions. Like I said, they don't want to feel dictated to in their tournament that they put together. By the way, I'll say as someone who worked for Flashpoint as a t creative director, yeah, it is whack when the fans think they can tell you who you're going to hire to your event. It's like, dude, why am I here then? I'm here to hire who I want for my project. So with all that said, though, as I said, if I come back to what I think and what I think is good for value, I think this sucks because unfortunately, if someone like Sean Gares, who wants to be the best in your game, he wants your game to be the best. He's even come over really early from CSGO. If people don't know, Sean Gares could have done this last major if he's still been in CSGO. He would have been a slam dunk higher. He could have been a coach in CSGO. He could have stayed in the game entirely. There was plenty of space for him. He was a very, very eligible person to get any job he wanted. Could even, by the way, still be an in-game leader in the game. He had offers for these things even a couple of years ago. So to me, when someone's sort of committed to your game, in general, he has really sort of rustled any feathers i will say that's a side area where a lot of talent have fucked up i told them just because the games like csgo never think riot is like valve they will not stand for what valve stands for if you don't know it in csgo you can you could do a tweet right now as the you, like simple the most famous player in the world could just tweet fuck Valve and I'll tell you right now nothing will ever come of that dude no one will ever send him an email no one from Valve will ever contact Navi and be like what are you doing with your player like it'll just be forgot they don't give a fuck essentially right the problem is in the Riot game not only would they never tolerate disrespect but they also because they run the whole space think things are disrespectful that you as talent might not so for example if you go to an event and you start bitching about conditions or other people not being hired you might think just not industry talk i'm just giving my opinion no someone from riot might get upset by that mate and you might now be if not on a on the blacklist you might have a little mark next to your name there strike one and that and that might be all it takes and so unfortunately people came from this space where it was almost like actually encouraged to speak out against dogs and try and keep them honest and you know manipulate them publicly Riot not only doesn't like that, I think it pisses them right off. So unfortunately, you add all of this together and I do think that Riot is sort of like, this is a bit of an own goal to me. Like even if you had to pay a little bit extra, even if you had to tolerate this one duo got to be a duo and you did everything you wanted with all the rest, I think they were good enough, they really were the best, that I think just Valorant the game will actually suffer because I don't think there's any other, there's no other duo you can put up. There's no other talents at the moment that are quite as good. There's some other good, like some good people on the desk. Some of the hosts are good, like obviously Shox is over there, people don't know, but for me, they've blown it. Like, they had a chance to essentially have their tasteless narthosis, and hopefully this time, without the negatives I referred to before. But like I say, it's a very complicated situation. It isn't as simple as just Riot or Idiots. There's a lot of... I think there's a lot goes into this one. Uh, what about you, Rich? What are your thoughts on the, on the topic? Oh, yeah. So, one thing before I answer this um, that I think is worth noting, although I would sort of take this with a pinch of salt, not necessarily in terms of his credibility and what he's saying, but that I don't necessarily think it's that relevant, is Sean did say that he would do the event for free. Like, I'm assuming this is after he was already told, like, you're not doing the event and he, you know, really wanted to do it. So he's like, fuck it, you know, I'll just do it for free. Just let me do it kind of thing. And the reason why I say 
to take that with a pinch of salt is because I didn't guess... actually mean that like literally. I, I I took that to mean like I would have done it for free. I didn't know he actually like I don't think he actually said it to them, did he? I don't know if you like, uh, if I, I'm not sure. I I maybe I'm maybe I'm misremembering that then. I think he actually said that he would do it for free, but I could I could yeah. be I could that could be wrong though. But I'm I I think he that is Here's the said. thing, I'll tell you this, it's not implausible because essentially I did hear in CSGO in the early days when he became an analyst for some events that he used to charge way too little and that sometimes he didn't know what the rates were and he was just happy to be there or some fucked up shit. So it's not like yeah. it'd be totally out of character put out with it. But regardless, obviously the main point is whether he technically said that or not, he's basically saying that it wasn't about money and he's trying to make yes. make it clear that it wasn't about that. Um I'm actually going to play devil's advocate a bit on this. Um, also, this is, you know, somewhat what I believe. And I, I spoke in similar terms about the shock situation where I actually think it's a really interesting one from Riot's side. And if I'm hired, let's say that I'm the, the head of head of talent at Riot and it's my job to bring in the best possible talent on a budget. And I envisage that I'm going to stay at the company for a really long time. I am not so sure that i necessarily dislike this approach that much obviously there are lots of elements like the main element being the human element of, of sean which he obviously feels this is a gross injustice and i think both things can kind of be true in a way it's the same with the shock situation which is if i'm shocks and i argued this at the time or if i'm right sorry i'm not paying shocks what she wants assuming she wants to be paid what she believes her market value to be which will be very high because her market value should be very high if she wants her fair rate which again the, the tricks in the name is fair it's a fair rate what's fair to her is not necessarily what's good value to me and i made the argument at the time that i don't think the lec actually suffers very much at all if shocks isn't there that has nothing to do with how good she is at her job She's very good at her job. The more the the point is that the product is so well oiled at this point that removing a host and putting another host in, I don't think makes that much difference necessarily. Now, Sean is not a host, and that is a, an important distinction. If you've got a really good like in-depth analyst, for example, that it, it sounds harsh to say, but the, there's a higher ceiling for that than hosting, yeah, in, in my opinion. So there is it is a bit different from that perspective. But at the same time, if I'm Riot. My goal is to make a product that's so good that I can basically plug and play a lot of different people and the, the quality of the broadcast doesn't go down or it stays, you know, very at, at a very similar level. And if I basically, you know, to use Richard's words, like if the game becomes, you know, Kingmaker, uh, Kingmaker and I'm, I'm creating all these other shockses, let's say, let's say there are five shockses that have risen at partly as a result of the opportunities that have been given to me uh, to them by me. And then I have to end up paying all of these people, let's say six figures instead of the five figures that I was paying them before, then yeah, I have just made it more expensive for myself. Now, again, obviously there are obvious counter arguments like, that, well, the, the quality of the product with Sean uh, can't be uh, the same without him, etc. But I would suggest that a, a, a philo going into it with a philosophy of we want to concentrate on making the best possible framework for our product and we don't want to ever be in a situation we were with shocks where basically someone's sitting out because we believe their value is you know x and you know so do they but we don't necessarily want to pay for that i don't want that situation to happen again on valorant necessarily and again i don't think this is like black and white at all i think it's a pretty uh sort of a nuanced thing on both sides but as i said riot obviously took the view that shocks was worth it 
ultimately. So they're now beholden to that, or they believe they could be beholden to a similar situation in the future with someone like DDK or with Sean. Whereas I would have the opposite approach, which is when it once it reaches that point, I'm actually more than willing to step away from the Shocks deal and be like, you know what, Dracos, he might not be quite as good as a host as, as Shocks, arguably, but I don't really care because the viewership is impacted almost zero by whoever's hosting and ultimately it is a hosting role. Again, an analyst's job does have a higher ceiling, but I'm, I'm more putting money into making sure that I have the perfect framework for a show where obviously I'm still going to be working within a certain pool of people. You can't just pull up analysts and hosts out of the fucking ground. But yeah, I don't know. I, I, I think this is a tricky one, but while if I was Sean's agent, for example, I'd obviously be really pissed off and probably, you know, be talking about all the angles where I think this is an injustice and un unfair, and it probably is. But at the same time, I actually get it from Riot. I don't want to have a situation where, just to use silly numbers, just to give you sort of an example, where I could have a pool of 20 people who I can pick between and pay them all, let's say, 20k a year arbitrary number don't take that as red or there's seven people who i'm constantly rehiring for 500k a year that doesn't sound like a good option b to me if i'm right at games option a sounds a lot better so i think that's kind of the base level philosophy that we're sort of working with here and they're basically trying to avoid as thorin said at the start another shock situation where these people get so big that they want to demand higher rates as would be fair and reasonable and as Thorin also said because Riot's a monopoly they don't actually have to worry about people holding the gun over them and saying ah well fuck you your rival is going to yes. pay me the, the money I'm asking for so your product is going to suffer as a result there is no rival right so yeah I, I think it's a difficult one but because of the you can call it like an inherently evil system anyway, but within the parameters of that already existing evil system, I think that Riot is making a, a coherent play, at least. Yeah, one thing I would say, just to add on that last point you say there about the distinction between a Riot ecosystem and an open space, like technically Valve could do all the same, same things Riot does, they just choose to be hands-off, right? And they let the, the tournament organizers, like the ESLs and the Bass, deal with who they hire. One thing I will say is this, Right. This is why you'll notice I'm essentially giving the opposite advice to people who are casters and talent into Valorant than what I have done myself in CSGO. Because in CSGO, because I know it's a different landscape, I could do things like have literal battles where for a year or two, I am publicly wrecking ESL and Blast, but then ESL and Blast hire me. Now, the reason why is what Rich touched on at the end there. When ESL doesn't hire me, I don't just disappear below the waves again and you just have to go and watch like tier three CSGO to hear me. You see me on the rival broadcast so essentially the whole time i'm also showing the world this is what you don't get if i'm not hired to esls but that's how i got back into those gigs i didn't get back in just because they thought like oh it'd be nice to bring thorin there was a way to put pressure on them the problem in this case for someone like sean gares is if you don't get hired to the vct thing that's just it like you've got youtube and stuff but essentially you they will always have the upper hand in the power dynamic it's the same with uh league of legends absolutely LEC. yeah if you're not on LEC, you're not on LEC, and what are you going to do? You know, you can go on one of the regional broadcasts, but there's only one English-speaking regional broadcast, really, and uh, I guess there's things like LPO and whatnot, but lives and dies with the, with your ability to make LEC, and that's entirely on Riot. I just hope for Sean's sake, like... I, like, I, I wonder what the communication was like behind the scenes. I guess this is maybe a little bit, like, sidewards to the, to the topic, but both with him and DDK, um, because I know, like, I've been in situations where I've not found out that I'm 
part of the LEC until they've announced who's going to yes. be on LEC, <laughs> right? And it's I've like heard I've, it. I've heard a lot of stories like that, Fox. That's also, I think, one of the problems that a lot of these talent have is that it's not even that some of them are like super skeptical like me or jaded or whatever. It's just that some of them just are super frustrated that you don't get any answers. The problem is that, right... I think they do it intentionally because, in my opinion, it's to their benefit to have everyone feeling a little bit on edge and not sure if you're hired. It's just going to make mm. you be on your best behaviour, isn't it? But the problem is there's always, like, an uncertainty of even why you were or weren't hired. You never really know. Like, they're, they're not going to come to you and go, here's why we didn't. They're not, and by the way, they won't tell you if the thing you did, I said earlier, annoyed them. You'll just never kind of know. So, essentially, like, the analogy I'll give, unfortunately, is it's like some guy who's just in a relationship with an incredibly high-maintenance girlfriend. It's like, he has to just figure out what she's thinking and what she wanted and whether that was quite you know like you're not going to find out because she has high demands so so if you don't meet those demands she'll she'll find someone else mate she's not going to just tell you by the way you're fucking up like it'll just your sins pile up and then you're out all hypothetical by the way you muted the moment rich oh sorry i'm sure it was a banger yeah i was gonna say (laughs) but essentially this is just the the dichotomy of a monopoly right it's like in an ideal situation you know, if you want to have a dictator who can subvert all democracy because this guy is so benevolent and perfect yeah. in every area that, you know, I mean, Singapore, if they weren't killing people for importing drugs, would have something sort of somewhat close to that if you would poll the average person in the street. But, you know, getting your neck or wrenched you like for... Drugs. <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's it's like... Obviously, the the problem is, and uh, you know, I'll I'll use a, a name who I don't have any experience with it on a business level interacting okay. with, but someone like Quickshot, for example, a lot of people know that Quickshot is basically the guy who will approve you as Riot yes. talent. This is for League of Legends, at least. I don't know about hey. Valorant. And or block you potentially, and a lot of people have come to me with very varying different things to say about Quickshot, depending on how well they feel that they've been tri- basically if they're being picked or not. Essentially, right? Yeah, so, yeah, of course. So yeah, it's it's very hard to read. But the problem is, and the reason why people don't like monopolies is because it does allow for a huge degree of individual power and potential corruption, where essentially you can have someone who, again, this all ties back into cronyism and all the rest of it, where basically step in line or get the fuck out and you know there are plenty of people who seem like no-brainers to be on the cast obviously sean and ddk included on league of legends you know i'm sure fox has some baying fans desperate for his uh his his return people like you know veteran who you can think of what you like on a personal level you might think he's completely trash human or not but as a caster oh, or he an has analyst, a following of his own yeah of course yeah as an analyst absolutely on merit should should be on these broadcasts yet he finds it very difficult to get on them consistently which again you know it, it's down to a couple of individuals and if if riot hadn't basically stolen all the ip because for people who forget there used to be an open circuit model, not at the very top of the game. Riot has always run else what was EU LCS or NA LCS and so on. But they used to have an open model uh, where you know there were lots of tournaments on the Challenger scene. You had Black Monster Cup, you had Dreamhack events, Gamecom events, or whatever. And someone like Veteran could say, "Okay, well, I'm going to go on those streams. People are going to watch it, and they're going to love my analysis. And Riot will have to eventually take notice. Like everyone's loving this guy. Like it is going to enrich our cast if we bring him on. But that does not exist." In riot run game so you are just completely beholden to that so yeah i do think it's like monopolies in general tend to enable uh you know bad behavior let's say to put it mildly um 
And yeah, I'm, I'm not saying that uh, Quick shot someone like that. Obviously, again, Richard Bingo Froskorin was very public about her disdain for how he handled talent um, and how unfair she thought that was. So yeah, there's there's a lot of uh, a lot of issues when you don't have any competition to kind of bounce off each other. I think it's I, I can I can feel for 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 both Sean Gares and DDK in this situation. If nothing else, it's just exceptionally frustrating being in this kind of game. Because you're always left in the dark, and it's uh, it's pretty annoying. But on the plus side, as I mentioned right at the beginning, like these two are both both now have jobs at Hundred Thieves, and judging by the ecosystem behind all these kind of like you know West Coast esports organizations, like I'm sure they're much better off professionally working for that organization anyway than than being a freelance caster, which can be a real pain in the ass. Um, is there anything else you guys want to clap off with that, or can we move on to our next topic? We can go to the next thing. Yeah, we're good. All right, cool. So moving back to the LEC, uh, let's talk about the All-Pro selections. Now, at the end of the regular season has happened and we're approaching playoffs. Uh, we got to see who the, the industry individuals uh, voted for as, uh, as the best players for each role. There was uh, the first All-Pro team, the second All-Pro team, and the third All-Pro team. I'll quickly read them out for you. I'll go super fast on this one. So the first Pro All-Team was Oduamne Top, Marang Jungle, Viteo Midlane, Upset and Hillasang as your bot lane. Second place was Broken Blade, Yankos, Humanoid, Comp, and Trimby. And third place was Wonder, El Yoya, Larson, Patrick, and Targamas. Uh, I want to get your general thoughts on that. Was there anything that you thought was missing out from the All Pro team? Some kind of troll votes there? Or what are your thoughts overall? I've gone to you first, Lauren, on the last two. So, Rich, I'm coming to you if you are. Not too busy with whatever it is you're sorting out on your screen. I don't know if your computer's bugging up again. No, I was but, just um, check. I was just checking out the the voting okay, ballot cool. thing. But um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I hey. think we we were talking about this before the show. But like, I think th this year is definitely representative if you just look at the voting patterns of being much more reasonable than past uh, ballots. Where unfortunately, because of people trying to block competitors of their teammates and so on. A lot of the voting was ridiculous and basically ignoring people who deserve to be on there to prop up their teammates who were hopefully going to win the votes um, instead of them, right? That has largely gone out the window if you do look at the ballots. There are still a few ridiculous things that exist. I'll start with the actual all-pro teams themselves and, and sort of any issues I have with them. As I said, overall, I think the all-pro teams are generally pretty decent, like not too bad. Um, the All-Pro team, I entirely agree with, apart from the only thing I might have changed, and this is, I'm not, I don't even necessarily think I'm correct here, but for my own personal reasons I gave on our award show, I might have gone for Comp because of being on a new team and everything and how they didn't really miss hands by having him. I think that was a sort of big boon, but I'm completely fine with Upset being on there. I think they were the best bot lane uh, overall by far, so that's absolutely fine. Um, second team, the only thing I would have changed is I'd have had Larson instead of Humanoid, I think. Um, I don't actually have that one in front of me, but I think that's the only change I would have made. Obviously, when it comes to the third team, and by the way, I just want to make this sort of a holistic point first before I say anything else. Me personally, I think they should ditch the third team All-Pro. I think when you actually look at it, the LEC only has 10 teams in the league. If you compare it again to mm. something like basketball or whatever, like you're talking about like 32 teams. Right, the idea that thirty percent of the league is in all pro is completely fucking whack, in my opinion. Like, I think this stuff should be saved for people who have like really standout performances, and I think it should be seen as you know a, a really good career achievement to get on an all pro team. So the idea that 
for example, Targamas or Patrick, let's say, or even the fucking, who was the jungler, El Yoya or someone. Like, none of these people are noteworthy splits at all. Like, let's be fucking real. Like, they're, these splits do not deserve to be sort of uh, ordained in in when in the future, in years gone by, thinking like, yeah, that was, you know, he made an all-pro. I think that's bullshit. Like, having 30% of the league being all-pro doesn't make any sense to me. Um, one other point I would make as well is I do think there needs to be a level of standards upheld with this kind of thing. As I said, I think we've already lost years of data, essentially, by people troll voting the first however many years and then the community vote monstrosity that came after that. I think basically, unless you go back and you watch all those individual games and you come to your own consensus, we've lost those years as far as I'm concerned. Those are all asterisks. Those are all asterisks. Imagine how um, hilarious it would be in history if someone looked up last year's spring All-LEC where it was all of G2's players and then they came like... Fucking, what is it, third in the league or something like yeah. that? Was a, that, would, that would be the biggest joke. About, like, the, the joke is, Rich, they would assume that was like some fucking New England Patriots 2007 shit, like the perfect season or something, wouldn't yeah. they? Yeah, no, absolutely <laughs> ridiculous. <laughs> but, be mad, wouldn't it? Yeah, so I, I think all of those, before basically this year, all of them are asterisks for me. Um, and uh, yeah, the other thing I would say is I think they need to do some. Um, sort of quality control on some of the other voting. I'm just going to give you one example, which has slipped under the radar, but someone pointed this out to me on Twitter and it's pretty funny. So there's a company called PVP Media, which is, and the guy, the representative from this is a Greek guy and he voted for... All the Greek players, I'm going to guess. Mercer Mercer was his number one support. Labrov was his second support. By the way, disclaimer, I'm Labrov's fucking agent and I wouldn't have put him on my top top three from this split. So, you know, it's ridiculous. And then actually he didn't put comp because for some reason all of his uh, ADC picks are listed as invalid. So I guess he forgot to do ADC. But obviously, I'll give you a million pounds if you look this guy up and he tells you that he wouldn't have picked comp. So just ridiculous. Like... These people, as far as I'm concerned, not even like two strikes and you're at, like that guy just shouldn't get a vote again. Yeah, that's uh, that, an that's idiot just, ban. Yeah, of just, course. just ridiculous. So <clears throat> I think I think they need to keep on top of that, and I do think they shouldn't be shy about like removing really obvious uh, obstructions um, in in here. Obviously, if there's something more subjective, like someone has a mid laner one less or whatever, I don't give a fuck about that. But really objectionable stuff like this. I think it's just stupid. Also, by the way, I don't think Vitality should be allowed to vote in the next ballot. Like, why are you not voting? Like, Vitality just didn't put anything forward. Again, you're affecting the the, the historical context moving forward on what people actually thought and what the consensus was. If you've got uh, nine of the teams have voted and it's a stalemate or, you know, what someone's one point ahead and it comes down to your team's votes, why the fuck are you not voting? Like, what's going on? Like, I, I I just think that's that's ridiculous as well. I think it should be mandatory. I think that people should want to care about these things. And unfortunately, right now, because of everything that's ha- happened historically, it is difficult to to care that, that, that much about these kind of things. And by the way, that's one of the reasons why I wanted as well to, like, for us to do our own award shows, because I want there to be, like, a semi-serious point of reference for people who don't buy into the fact that random Greek guy at PVP Media can just vote for Greek people without any justification beyond the Google Doc. So, yeah, that was... Uh, but uh, as I said, overall, I spent especially the first team All-Pro, I thought looked very legit. I think that was all at, at the very least arguable. The one position, which I'm sure Thorin will touch on more, was kind of jungle where 
it was so weak like all the way through that it was kind of hard to judge and you got some really wacky picks but um other than that i thought generally it, w it wasn't too bad like i wouldn't asterisk this in you know in 10 years time just looking uh, at the, the votes as well you're going to be all uh, thoughts yeah, well, Excel didn't vote. Um, Excel Fnatic didn't vote either. Was, uh, not, oh, really? Just, I uh, missed that. Vitality, yeah, both Fnatic. Well, the co the coaching staff, or whatever, Vitality and Fnatic, both did not participate in the votes, whereas their representatives for for the players did vote. So, um, yeah, it's always it's always an odd one, isn't it? With 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 these, like, um, the, the, it's I feel like in the past, especially, it's always been like. Are you the are you the French representative like the French broadcast team? Okay, you vote for the French players. Are you you know very similar to how the Greek the, the, your Greek example, um, but it's that was that was just the the done thing you know, and, and I think that's okay when you're you know get some kind of um, regional pride in there and stuff like that. But I I think as as time's gone on, people are realizing actually I would like to see. You know, being part of the all pro squad as being like a, a, a almost like an accolade for your for your career. Maybe obviously not in the same way as you know, you're not gonna say, Yeah, well, we got second all pro, he's a fucking legend. You know, not the same as like winning the split or anything like that, but you know, it's if you look at any any pro sports when they going for the hyperbole of listing off, you know, just how great this player was, you list off all, all everything they've they've achieved. In the NBA and NFL, it's it's very actually um it's actually a very prestigious uh, personal right. award to get exactly all NBA and all like if people don't know, that's like one of the first areas you can like give a knock against certain like NFL players. Some of them never were like the first all pro players. So essentially mm -hmm. their their peers, or rather in this case the media, never considered them the best. Yeah, that is yeah. that is one of the things they always cite in the real sports. Yeah. Put it this way, there's a reason no one ever is it in league because no one thinks they're legit right it almost feels like a gimmicky kind of like just a little fun thing to do like almost almost in a like, like a fantasy yeah, yeah. uh style thing um but no i don't really have any massive qualms with uh, any of the results at all i think maybe last night a humanoid uh, again but i think that i mean i feel like that's just kind of nitpicking and i don't see maybe even look at someone like neon for being in the ADC for like the third one, but I think once you're once you're really thinking about who should be uh, replacing people in in the third All Pro team, it's probably not really that important at the end of the day. So, is it? Sorry, one, always... one thing I just add just before before I forget, yeah, I thought yeah maybe Neon instead of instead of Patrick for me, but it's not yeah. it's not an egregious one. I'll put it that way. But what is egregious is that fucking Syncroft isn't on any of those teams. I yes. think that's ridiculous, especially yeah. how weak the jungle pool was. When you have a guy who, yeah, he did not have the same impact in the second half of the split as he had in the first half of the split. Fair enough. Neither did Malrang, by the way. But how you can have a guy who was on a bad team and was monster hard... Who who hard carried the most games this season? Vithio, then probably Malrang, even if he didn't really do it that much in the second half of the split. Arguably last in a bit. But it's Syncroft. It's Syncroft. And yeah, sure, he didn't win half the games that he hard carried. They sprinted down most of them. But for every, you know, if he only card carried uh, every game for every twit longer he did, he still hard carried more games than most people did. So I think Syncroft not being on there is actually kind of egregious. Um, and as I said, if I had it my way, there wouldn't even be a third pro all team. So, you know, I guess he wouldn't have been on there at all. But again, for me, as I said, I think these things should be prestigious people should care more about them than they do because preserving this sort of information historically for not not everyone has the same amount of time to you know research these things as uh, other people and the idea that you go and look back and see 
who the MVP was or, or whatever, and it's actually just a complete sham. It's ridiculous that that's a mm. thing. And as I said, I find it really annoying that the teams don't take it seriously. Like, I think you should lose a ban. I think you should be told that you will lose one ban in your playoff series if you don't submit your vote. Like, what's, what's stopping you? What what are you so busy? And by the way, I've been on the inside of esports teams, right? Like, the documentaries will have you believe that it's like feet to the cold 24 7 but these people have so much fucking downtime like piss off with that like if anyone says they didn't have time and that they're lying they are lying you should see the things these people do in their spare oh, half time of them are playing that fucking elden ring game right now yes exactly <laughs> that's why they have no time exactly. know someone who someone who put po- someone who posts a countdown until lost ark comes exactly. out but a, a super grind fest korean game but then tells you a week later they didn't have time to submit their vote fuck off Loser ban, I say. From next season onwards, loser ban. All right, Thorin, give me your thoughts on the all pros. I'll start with the meta angle that Rich took there, because, like, first of all, on the whole players voting thing, right? What annoys me is this Riot does this all the time. They put in place a system which might actually, like, have a good intention. It might work if everyone was great and honest and fair, all the things people aren't, and history tells you they never fucking will be. What you actually have to do when you put in place any kind of a system that involves humans acting on their free will is corral these motherfuckers from doing the things they're not supposed to do. So here's what I don't understand. I do, because as usual, here's what Riot does. They don't know anything about esports. The reason they think they invented esports is because they're too stupid to know it already existed and had run on quite an in-depth level for decades before they came along. So the things they don't know, as usual, not only kill them, but to get them to actually figure it out is like getting them it's like the joke is you can't bring a wheel to riot in their tribe and go look this is a wheel round you have to like go and sort of keep suggesting things which would make a person eventually come to the final conclusion that his invention should be a wheel at the end so you'd have to start with the idea you need something for more and then you'd start with like a sort of like a, a hexagon shape and you'd like and then eventually maybe after five years you can get into a bloody circle because at the start with the circle he's going to go that would have just it on the floor like oh, yeah you need an axle as well like you know so essentially the premise here the reason it annoys me is we actually cracked this dude something like three years ago in CSGO so a years ago in CSGO the main problem we had was there was no system of seeding which technically was unbiased as in because people don't just play in one league in CSGO they play in different tournaments the problem was how do you judge like winning this tournament versus winning this one or what is third at the best tournament like versus winning a smaller tournament that didn't have the top two teams so what we did instead was ESL believe it or not ESL of all people by the way in CSGO ESL are my right game they're the ones I'm having a fucking bash all the time because they're all fucking boomers from Germany who were stuck in the 80s. But here's, and just trying to make it like the fucking Bundesliga 24 7. But here's the thing that they actually cracked, and it was a great fucking compromise. They got the teams themselves to seed each other. You had to seed all the other teams. And here's the key detail. When I say this, it's going to seem so obvious. If anyone's vote, though, is too far out of whack from the other votes, it is discounted. So as a result, you can't fuck with it. Because say you go into the seeding, I'm just going to quickly tie this back in in a second, and you pick the real number one team of the world and you put them 11th. I can't remember what the difference was. Let's say it's like it can't be five spots outside of the average or something. 
if everyone else puts them number one or number two, your vote just gets discounted because it's treated as though you're clearly not being serious. Like, it's so unlikely that the number one could be like nine spots off or something. They should have done the same with voting here, Rich, because at least it would at a minimum keep them honest that they'd at least have to vote someone who might be fucking competent to win the award. Because I agree, back in the day, especially the people who weren't liked, Doverlift, Yankos, Forgiven, Dardock, Soaz, People used to, on the other teams, just fuck these guys up by intentionally voting like the 10th best top laner as their fucking number one. Just so they know that even though they're not going to vote him number one anyway, they don't want him to get the number two points and then other people vote him number one, then he wins the spot. So it's a way to actually manipulate it. So there's one thing you could already fix. I think they should have that already. There shouldn't be a world, in, in my opinion, in which, like some of these players can get into some of these spots or vice versa, where I think they're terrible. Then quickly to sell the whole bias thing, it's already happened in LCS, if people don't know. There was an egregious as fuck one there, where a guy from, like, I think he was from Mexico, just voted for every Spanish-speaking player, like, on his fucking LCS thing. So he had all those fuckers from FlyQuest and whatever, it might be Golden Guardians or whatever. He had all those guys on, and he even tweeted at one of them something in Spanish along the lines of sort of, like, I've got your back, brother. Like, what on earth is this? Like, that that in itself, like, I, I am with you, Rich. I don't need to be some fair, like, you know, fucking appeals for... I can just walk in. I'm right at games, man. I can just walk in and go, you're out. See ya. Get that guy the fuck out and don't ever give him another sheet of paper. Remember, it's not like he's fucking... He's not inventing cold fusion. He's just fucking putting names on a piece of paper. All you need is someone who watched the games and isn't going to vote for their friends or people with their flag. So to me, you can easily sort all this shit out. It's so easy to get rid of these people. Because there's another thing you could genuinely do. You get someone really reasonable. Could be quick shot, right? A very well-liked, charismatic person. And you just have them go up to the person who did a very weird set of votes. And you just say, can you give me a few quick reasons as to why you voted for them. They will break instantly if they were full of shit. Like, if that person came back, right? So I'll give you a great example. Let's use Rich's case. Let's say quick shot. I'm making this extreme. Let's imagine he himself doesn't know that much about the game, right? If he said, well, that's weird. You voted Synchrov, your third best jungler, but isn't his team one of the worst in the league? The first reasons Rich all gave would show it's totally legit. You'd know immediately, yeah, but I thought his bathroom was a lot better. Is it... Immediately, you know it's, a, it's an in good faith argument. If it was a bullshit one, like he just did it because he's Greek, that guy wouldn't even get through a fucking sentence, I'll tell you right now. You would immediately know, functionally, he's obviously rigging the system. Then to the actual question, which was basically like, what are like the weird ones or the crazy ones? Here's the problem I have, right? Is I'm with Rich... The purpose I see the all LEC vote is, like I said, in the NFL, I actually think if you go and look, all NFL first team is one of actually the best voted fucking awards teams I've ever seen, Rich, considering how many people play in the NFL and that you could be on bad teams. Dude, They for real, if you go and look in history, they've done exactly what you want. If you go back in history, I'll, I'll give you a classic example, and you look up Barry Sanders, right? A guy who never did anything in the playoffs because his teams were terrible. He has all the fucking all pros, dude. It actually shows, no joke, that play... That, Actually, in his era, he was considered better than Emmett Smith, who won all the championships with the Cowboys. They would probably tell you he had a better all-line, better team. So, so what's cool is his he can't win the championship. He can't get the trophy, which is the way as a team you succeed. But it's a cool way that we can still acknowledge you were balling individually, though, dude. Your team might have been bad, but you were balling. So here's the crazy thing. Even though in the short term, I'm most annoyed by the Humanoid and Larson one because I can't see a single reason based off the actual split they played as to why Humanoid gets it, unless you're only judging on the last four weeks or something. If you're judging all 18 games as a 
did, Lena. How did they do? How did they do relative to their wins? I think Larson wins it all, Dave. People can't remember. Fnac began the split undefeated and he was having some of his shittest games, humanoid. He's the fucking superstar signing. So to me, I think that's just a name value one. I think that's people thinking in the playoffs. He's good, Larson Chokes, which has nothing to do with all LEC for my money. And then, But the problem is this. In line with what I said before about honouring players whose team isn't good enough, that the actual biggest snub is Synchrov because this is where, even though I'm sort of rich, ultimately if the league's that small, third team isn't really necessary. Spoiler, in the NFL, they have like 36 teams or something. They have fucking two teams. They don't even have a third team. But I would say this, if you're going to have a third team, this is exactly where history would be served so well if Synchrov had gotten that jungle spot because that's exactly what every fan would say. The, the scenario I just gave the hypothetical quick shot question, they'd go, that's bizarre. How could he be a, a top three jungler though? And his team was like one of the worst in the league. And then every reason would immediately give you context for how that split went. You'd suddenly understand who this guy is. And spoiler, if he ever goes on to a good team, you'd understand why. You'd be able to see the track record of like, look, he came in and he did it on a bad uh, instead what you're going to see is you're going to go and look oh at least El Yoya kept his form up he was pretty good for he didn't El Yoya by the way has no business being on this list except uh, by the way his team didn't even make the fucking playoffs I think that's really egregious so even though like I get more annoyed by the humanoid last one because I think that's ridiculous. For the purpose of what the award does, I actually think they've really fucked over Synchrov on this one. Same as back in the day, they didn't actually have this voting back then. You remember the first ever split for Given played when he was on Copenhagen Wolves? Dude, I'm not joking. He should have been first AD carry in the fucking all. But even though they were like barely a playoff team, it was like between him and Reckless and he was just a shit at the time. And I don't care that he was on Copenhagen Wolves. That's exactly what those awards are there for. It's the reason why, if you notice, I get mad triggered by people who treat the MVP as always a to be on the best team it's like they already get to win the fucking trophy from being on the best team MVP goes to the best player yeah I mean there, there was a similar one when I, in my opinion Otto's best ever split in terms of like regular season relative to teammates when it was that Schalke split where he just decided oh god uh, okay well I tried like being the weak side king in, in spring and that was not very good oh wow when I play carry champions I'm literally the best carry player in Europe as well like and he didn't get it because whoever the best best top laner on the best team got it which is getting ridiculous by the way on your humanoid thing and to make a sort of again slightly wider point with this obviously yeah I think uh, Larson should have been above humanoid as well I'm not actually even sure humanoid should be third if he was third it's kind of by default because no one else had like a spectacular split or whatever but it was the fact that, and this is why I highlighted the whole box of them and put it on Twitter, the fact that all of the Riot people, or at least the vast majority of the Riot cast, put Humanoid as number one. Again, yes. now we're bringing Vito into it as well. This isn't even about Larson versus uh, Humanoid. This is about fucking Vito, who wasn't number one. Because By the way, you know that also implies when they then, because let's be real, Vethio will be the MVP. It also implies, Rich, they actually voted a different person, first team all mid, but then a different player MVP. Well, yeah, no, but this is this is the <laughs> other thing I said. <laughs> it essentially does. And, pe and people got a bit confused about it, because obviously you and me have different uh, definitions of what we believe it should be, but yeah, go, and, go and look at the, the historical MVPs and who won them. Every single one, with one exception... Every single one, but one exception, was voted for by the player that people believed was the best team on the right. best team. Every single one. So your criteria, your historical criteria that you, yes. Riot Games, created is that you believe that the best player on the best team should get the award. So if 
uh, you guys all vote for humanoid mid lane, you are not allowed, in my opinion, to now vote for Vithio and try and make an argument that he was the best player. How the fuck does that work? You, you're, I would demand a breakdown by someone on a right desk to tell me how the in lane or as a mid laner, humanoid isn't uh, Vithio isn't as good as humanoid, but somehow these crazy things which have nothing to do with him playing mid lane make him a mid lane god. Because as far as I know, you guys aren't listening to all of their comms, so you're going to really struggle to come up with some argument which shows that he's not a better mid laner but he is a better player like fuck off there's, there's no way that can be true that's even counterintuitive it would make more sense the other way around wouldn't it like yes. if it was like right look at we'll say that's yours the best mid laner because you know he best but they, if they tried to say about all these intangibles you know humanoid is shot calling that at least would make some sense as the MVP the other way around it makes no sense as you yeah, said there's you could, saying he was a better raw mid laner you could do you could do I don't think it quite works this split because he wasn't quite good enough but if perks had played a little bit better or more consistently you could make that exact argument for Perks being on one of the teams. You could say, no, as a pure mid laner, no, he would not have been in my top three. But because of everything that I know for these reasons that he gave to the game, that is why he is now on my third team or pro or whatever. The inverse doesn't work at all. And if you people all voted for Humanoid, then vote for Vito as your MPP. I mean, come on, man. To me, that's almost, I'm stripping your vote as well. Like, that's ridiculous. I think that's so stupid. And again, in what, what, like, I, Obviously, you could never enforce this, but I feel like as a soft rule, casters shouldn't like be discussing who they're going to vote for before they vote for it, because I find it incredibly coincidental that all these all these people decided that yeah that humanoid was their number one pick like what are you doing sounds for real like because mm -hmm. if you've ever been in one of these rooms you are foxtrot that sounds like when someone goes so who have you got for your like second team i'm probably gonna go with like human yeah i might do it. that sounds like one of those where you're all just banging it out in five yeah. minutes and sending it off you know not, obviously a lot of the fun of this stuff is like the discussion around it so i'm not trying to be like a you know a discussion nazi and say that they shouldn't be allowed to discuss it but i don't think I, again, I wouldn't enforce it or anything, but there's a soft rule. I don't think you should like be explicitly stating who you're going to go for or vote for ahead of time. I think you should maybe you know discuss it and then obviously retroactively talk about it on on the dive or whatever. I think it's completely fine. Well, sorry, Euphoria, whatever the hell the the name they stole from Veteran. But I don't I don't think you should actually be explicitly saying your picks to each other because I think that does again, especially lazy people who you know you might think how much of the games does this guy really watch when he's not on the desk like yeah i don't know i'm not not uh, by the way uh, here's a random uh, interesting detail like if you look at the three teams they've made this has nothing to do with how this is voted this is a totally separate like random thought but for real if you look at the three teams dude the second team would actually be the best of these three if it was a real squad that second team would be straight fire the one that is Broken Blade, Yankos, Humanoid, Comp, and Trimby mate that would win the lec if that if these teams had to play that would win the lec i'm telling you I, that was I fucking mega. I disagree. I think the I think the first team wins. I think because uh, nah. the problem is you've got BTOs, a fucking rookie, oh, still young. Malrang's like this fucking weird ass player. That's the problem. That team could implode for all the reasons. These guys just have to play their game, mate. If I swap Malrang for Yankos, my te that team doesn't drop again. Yeah, okay. In my opinion, but, but that's the yeah. problem. Yankos is the second team, mate. That's yeah. why he's the sleeper OP. I keep telling y'all, <laughs> sleeper OP. All right, there's a. I find it interesting just looking at the number of votes for like the the vote breakdowns of uh of the all pros. Like it seems like it seems like Larson has the most like number two votes, and there's a lot of there's a lot of Larson in the number two column and a lot of humanoid in the number three column. But because there's also a decent amount of there's more humanoid than Larson in in number one, that's why he's been bumped up to the second all pro. Even though it's exceptionally close, there's like three votes in it, which is you know rid ridiculously close. It's like by far the closest. 
between you know like second and third or even first and second um yeah it feels like kind of honestly at this point they're basically just tied for second and uh uh, yeah, I think Larson's been done a little, a little bit dirty there. What but... I would say is this, and this is the one thing no one can answer me. This is why I'm suspicious about these votes here, Rich. Right? You should also be able to ask this question. All right, what more could Larson have done? Remember, he's third. He's third middling a dude. His team's top of the league, best win rate. By the way, very few teams in history ever won more games in a split than they've just won now. They beat every single team, at least in one game, in the split. On top of that... How many bad games did he have? I'm going to go and say, what, one or two? One or two? He was probably one of the most consistent and cleanest players in the whole league. And a great champion. Like, again, like, dude, like, you can make cases for someone else, but what has he done wrong? What more What more does he really have to do? Because as Rich says, by the way, by the old historical record, he instantly wins it just because Rogue's number one. That's why it happened to every Fnatic and G2 player. This is, like, that's why, again, if I'm someone like that, it's like, it's not the end of the world. It's just a fucking, like, voting thing. But I think it's a bit fucked in, in historical record. Because you would just assume Assume they spent even was better than Larson in the split. Yeah, and if 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 uh, Fnatic had finished the regular season first, I guarantee you that Humanoid would have been first team all pro over VTO. You know, it, it was, been the MVP. I'll yeah. tell you right now. Well, yeah. the other the other thing is as well, like it, with Larson, is I would in in my order, I have VTO as the MVP. I have uh, Hillisang as a relatively close second, but not like super super nail biter. And then third is Larson for me. Like, I, I'd actually have him third in the MVP yes. voting. So the fact that he's third best mid laner is like, what are we doing? Like, I don't know, it's just like crazy. as an aside, by the way, I do actually think, unfortunately, those playoff chalks because he plays the most influential and most. Yeah, the problem with his role is it's the reason why I hate all the people to say Bjergsen's good now. If you are invisible as mid lane, you are fucked up big time. It is the most impactful role in the whole game. There is no like keeping your head down the back of class to the teachers. There's none of that. If you just don't do anything in the game as mid lane, you failed in yourself. Actually, different roles. Sometimes top lane can just chill and just be like, I didn't int, I didn't kill. Like that's fine. You got that mid lane in that role. So my problem is this: is like. Not only this guy fucking fire, but like he's just underrated as a player now, dude. People are forgetting he is the only player that was in all the rogue lineups that had all these great results in the regular split. Like at the end of the day, when does it just become that he's really good? I feel like people genuinely, no joke. This is why, by the way, I go so hard for the people who are the power of evil, fucking Froggen, because people don't just say, I prefer Caps. They go, Caps is five times better because he plays Akali. That's it. I mean, I picked the wrong one there because at last he does play Akali too. You know what I mean, though? Like, their logic is, like, somehow flashiness always beats just, like, being really solid. So, to me, people act like, they genuinely act like this guy just plays Oriana and sits under his tower, pushed in all game that isn't what he's doing at all he is dominating when he plays oriana this is stupid as fuck like people are just making these like black and white distinctions that have no place in the game like all i'll say is this how can a league that's going to say larson isn't mvp slash isn't all first team quality material because he plays boring have fucking reckless every single split of his whole career top three mvp like it doesn't make sense it doesn't make any sense in fact it's even worse because an adc can just cruise and be boring etc right but that's what they all do until the team fight if anything ADC is the role where you should have to be a bit more aggressive mid lane as long as you do your CS and you're not behind you did your job then you do the rest of the game like I think it's egregious as fuck mate like this guy will have to for, he's, he's kind of like your boy Odoadmiv to be fair and Jankos Unless he wins, he will never get his flowers. I'll tell you right now. He'll have to actually win the championship before they do it. Because I was saying this to Rich before the episode started. If you want a great example of why all LEC voting sucked dick in the back in the day, this is a fact. You can go look it up. It wasn't until Jankos won with G2 he ever got first team all LEC. 
He never had it ever in his career. He was second a billion times. He was third a billion times. He never, ever got first because the fans just went, maybe did it win the lit. Then how could he? This is bullshit, boys. It can't be. Are you telling me Jankos was never the best jungler ever until now? It's, not, it's inconceivable. There's got to be one split he was. Come on. Yeah, what, what, what I would say is that I do think that Larson has improved. And in particular, um, you know, you referenced Akali. Like, I think he actually now plays more champions now than he did previously, which is why for me, this this regular season going into playoffs is super interesting from a rogue perspective from like a myriad of different reasons. But first and foremost, I don't think Larson can be targeted in ways that he could be before. And obviously that aided him in the regular season as well, in my opinion. And by the way, Larson had some great regular seasons uh, Bangers, going, yeah. going back. People remember the playoff quote-unquote chokes but his regular seasons were, you know, really fucking good. In the yeah, same yeah. way that people forget that Otto literally won All-Pro last split and then said he was washed in garbage because he had a couple of bad BO1s when he was high off his fucking yes. mind on drugs. Like, what the fuck? And by the way, medical drugs, just so we're clear. Not yeah, narcotics for anyone who's not aware. He uh, had a, whatever it was, hernia or something. But yeah, so I, 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 I'm very interested from to see Rogue this time because obviously... The, the players that people associated as being like really sort of clutch and important, basically inspired and hands are no longer there. And the ones that supposedly have the narratives around them for being chokers are still there. And the coaching is arguably better. It's arguably yeah, the best yeah. lineup they've ever had. Exactly. So let, let's see. Let's see. Like by the way, I'll put it this way: if it was possible to clone people, and this team was playing the other team, I bet on this team. By the way, a hundred percent, I bet Great. on this team. Even if you want to argue that inspires a better individual, I think. I think he is, but it's just how teams work, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Right, it's going to be fun to watch in the playoffs as well to see all these all these choking titles. I think, like I said, mentioned earlier, I feel like this is this is the one for Rogue to really to really biggest choker that should be an award. Oh, by the way, before I forget, just like a smaller side that we were t talking about it uh, whenever it was a couple of episodes ago about how we initially thought it was kind of funny that Astralis were like memeing the promiscue thing. And they were like, actually, it's not great because really, you know, they should be benched. How bad does that meme look now, by the way? <laughs> and yes, promiscue will not true. be benched. He's still part of the team. Ha 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 ha. And now they've literally benched him. Like, how bad does that look on reflection? This is, I mean, it's just classic and the joke is, if you know how whack the Astralis all got, one, they're all about being in Denmark. He's fucking Danish. And two, this actually was actually one of his better right. He's Swedish. Oh, sorry. Yes, he is Swedish. He's he's not yeah. Scandinavian though, at least. Yeah. Like, yeah. dude, he he actually had this. Yeah, this, split, didn't he? Yeah. this wasn't his meme split. Actually, he was half decent this one. If anything, he can't battle just the fucking momentum of his rep, can he? So the joke is, this was the only split where it made sense. He should be bloody on Astralis. You're right. Maybe that's, yeah. maybe that's the issue. Like, you know, Astralis looked at him and was like, "Hang about, you're not going to be the worst exactly. player in the league anymore. We got we got to make something of it. <laughs> <laughs> play well and better than people expect. You think we're here trying to keep our foot in the door in the LEC? Not you spending money for this? Get the fuck out and don't have a dark in our door again. <laughs> but just uh, just imagine that he's reading this on Twitter oh. and he's like, oh." Shit, are they actually going to bench me about telling me, ah, oh, this is a funny meme? And then yeah. Cass was like, ha, 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 oh, puts boy. his hand on his shoulder. By the way, you are actually benched, though. By the way, there was a similar one. I referenced it for, uh, on Summoning Insight because the same thing happened. Last year, when they re-signed Inspired to Rogue, they didn't, Rich, say, good news, we've re-signed him for like three years. They said, like, good news, he's not going anywhere. And then they sold him in the offseason <laughs> right after. Literally, man. why phrase it that way? Like, you've got it, like before, you're just telling the truth about, you know, we don't plan to excel him. Now you've actually... She just lied to me. Now you're like, don't worry, he ain't going any. Oh shit, yes, yeah, we sold him. Like, what? Why are you phrasing that way again? Like, what? Like, you put it to if his grandma saw that, she'd probably be just ringing him up now. How 
are you doing in LAC? What do you mean you're not there? You're in America. That doesn't make sense. It's just a needless implosion. It's like you can literally say, he's signed until 2024. Like, there's no need to add the fucking balsamic vinegar. Like, what are you doing? Like, no, the fan's not going to go, ah, yeah, he has signed, hasn't he? I don't really understand the significance of that. Oh, that means he's not going anywhere. Like, it doesn't, like, these people are so stupid, man. Like, dying on their own naivety. It's, you love to see it. All right, let's move on to our last song of the day today. I feel we could go on forever about it, Lucy. Uh, CSGO. I like it when we get to cover a lot of different games, actually. It's our third different game today. Oh, no. Um, see, Fox, you've had a mare because I got told by a Twitter analyst today that it was really stupid having a show which covered multiple esports and that uh, it, yeah, and that this was this was a stupid experimental thing that just simply wouldn't work out. He's never watched American fair. TV, I guess, but, you know, TV's not yeah. popular over there, is it? So... No, 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 no. That TV is a rather sedimentary pastime, and uh, over the pond they all they're all into their activities, and uh, they're all out exploring yeah. nature. Those Americans. Yeah, and if something doesn't look right, anywho, CS:GO, Brolan, he's moved from Fnatic to CS. NIP. NIP. He's not moved to CS:GO. Yes, thank you, Thorin. There, it's been a long day. All right. Um, I just want to get your thoughts on that one, honestly. Uh, a bit of a prodigy player there and going from one big CSGO name to another. Am I right in saying this would be kind of like a Fnatic to G2 thing, similar to when Caps kind of left Fnatic to, yeah. to go to G2? It's but in CSGO players ever gone from Fnatic to G2, uh, nip in CSGO, yeah. similar fashion. Obviously, very rarely people in theory go from Fnatic to G2. Yes, yeah, similar scenario. Cool. So um, I want to get your thoughts on, on the situation in general and what it kind of says about... Uh, Fnatic and NIP as organizations in the CSGO scene. Uh, Rich, coming to you first. Yeah, I think this is like a really weird one um, because there's a lot of there's a lot of context which doesn't really give you that many answers, and there's also like a lot of context missing that would give you the answers that you want. I think the problem is like on the Fnatic side, we still don't really have any idea what they're doing with their roster unless something's developed like very recently, basically while we're recording this. Like obviously they got rid of Smuya. Um, while they were at IEM, um, Brolin was always like one of the more talented players on the lineup. But also uh, worth noting, it's rumored that one of the reasons why Brolin was kind of uh, out essentially was that he didn't like being the idea of being on an international speaking line of what Scandinavians basically call any team that's not for Scandinavian an international team. So he didn't yes. want to be on an international team where they uh, speak English essentially. Uh, and Fnatic had historically always been a Swedish based team with um, some Scandinavian pieces here and there. But for those that don't know, if you're Danish or Swedish, you can basically understand each other, even if you're not speaking the exact same language. So I guess he was uncomfortable with that for whatever reason. So he was kind of angling to get out. So this isn't necessarily like all on Fnatic thinking, oh, we're going to sell this player to our rival. Like I do b believe, based on what I know, that the player didn't really want to be there. Um, so... <laughs> But the problem, again, this is like similar with the Smuya situation, although this is a more important member of the team, I would say. The problem is, what is the solution? You had a problem, in theory, even though it's a good player. Okay, that problem is now out. What's your solution? And all we're hearing is like rumours about stand-ins and how long are these temporary players going to be around. But we're not hearing that much about, okay, but who are you bringing in? The thing with NIP is that while obviously they're still very much like a, a work in progress and so on, they are making the big moves to try and increase their trajectory into something that's, you know, going to be a powerhouse potentially in uh, in CSGO. 
And even though, obviously, for those who don't know, Device is currently on sabbatical, like he hasn't uh, played in a while. He is rumoured to come back sooner rather than later. We don't obviously know exactly when. But they've got seven players on their roster now, by the way. So that's going to be interesting. And just so people know as well, Nip have said, I don't know if this was actually publicly released, so maybe this is a mini leak, but fuck it, I don't care. I'm not really in the CS community like that. They've said that they're not, he's not replacing anyone. That they are well, actually just... publicly. Okay, yeah. that was about. That, okay, good. Even though they're benching people because you can only have five players, yeah. they they tried to make it imply like it's yeah, like it's a large rotation. Though, but if you don't know, you can't have that the major, which is why Vitality dropped their six man lineup. If you remember back in the day, yeah, there was a rumor that uh, I think that Plopsky was going to be the one getting cut, but yes. they, they've now come out and said that that's not true. It'll be really funny if it turns out to be true because I think it was Fnatic who came out and said that was the guy that was getting dropped. So yeah, it's it's just interesting from a trajectory. Uh, perspective that Fnatic seem to be at best plateauing but at worst sort of further downtrending and as a cynic I'd say like kind of trying to economize like you've now sold this player but I've no idea who you bring in they seem a bit devoid of a plan but obviously they could be holding a bunch of cards that are close to their chest I just don't see it whereas Nip in a way seem to be going in the other uh, uh, in the other direction at least on paper um, especially because device isn't there. I don't see them being like contenders or something immediately, but they are accumulating pieces that have value and in-server strength. So, you know, this whole thing about six-man roster, seven-man roster, you know, you can, again, you can take that lot with a pinch of salt. If we believe that, then, you know, I mean, just take a look at Astralis over the last two years, right? But yeah, it's just interesting from that perspective. And in a weird way, especially because of all their financial fuckery and legal stuff that has happened sort of going back like five years of NIP, it's kind of surprising to me that these are the two positions that we kind of find Fnatic and NIP in CSGO in relation to each other. Like, you would think if you took away the nameplates that this would be the other way around. But it's actually NIP who is sort of trying to claw back relevancy and actually put a team on paper that can do things. I'm very surprised with this by uh, Fnatic because... Sure, most people or newer fans think of like the League of Legends team as Fnatic's flagship, but historically it's always been CS, and right. they've been sort of drifting and drifting into irrelevancy. And I'm, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'd be very concerned if I was a Fnatic fan, specifically a Fnatic CS:GO fan. Hit me then, Thorin. What are your thoughts? Right on the Fnatic side of this deal, it is terrible across the board. Like, look. First of all, this is not only your young star player, and he was a star player, even when Fnatic, by the way, had that whack year, he was still considered one of the better players in the world when we had that online period. He was at the one part of the team that was absolutely still fit for purpose and could be very good. So I think that in itself is part of why he is allowed to leave Fnatic. I think their vibe goes... Look, you gave us an extra year when we were sort of shit and didn't have a good enough team around you. And on top of it, we've just put you in this international roster, which you did give a try for a few months. You gave it a try with Alex, etc. Okay, you don't like it, and especially you want to play with Swedish players. We're obviously not going Swedish because we hitched our mast to Alex. He's the player we're building around now. And so, okay, we'll let you go. And in fact, it's not just letting you go. We'll sell you for quite a lot of money. At least we'll make some money. The problem with that is this. A, it was your star player. This is as bad... It's actually in some ways worse. This is like, I, I thought it was quite terrible that somehow Reckless got away from Fnatic and League of Legends because in my opinion, you just lock that guy down and he ends his career in Fnatic if you play it right. If you haven't, then you fucked up somewhere along the line and you you didn't have the relationship you thought you did with him. But this is like if when Reckless left the first time, he never came back. This is like if he just left after mm. season four, that's all you got was the one year. That's almost what they're doing in this case because Brolan is potentially about to hit his prime and that in CSGO, remember, it's a 
consistent game. That could last three or four years. You could actually look like a fool here and your main rival. This is like if Messi just left Barcelona after two years and went straight to Real Madrid and won all the fucking championships. That would be the ultimate egg on your face. and It would never be forgotten by your fans. Then I've got a second reason I don't like that Fnatic's let him go, which goes like this. In CSGO specifically, I have a very particular peeve that other people don't seem to mind, but it drives me nuts from a game theory perspective, which is in CSGO, sometimes if you have like two or three people alive with weapons, but you don't think you could win the round, there's five terrorists alive and they planted the bomb and they've got the bomb site. You sometimes you save the guns, right? But my peeve is this. Once the players decide to save and they move over the other side of the map and hide, tons of them get bored and start like just peeking out and stuff and trying to take shots. And sometimes they'll wait and with two seconds left on the clock, just die and lose the gun. And what I always tell them in that scenario is you're a moron who doesn't understand mathematics because what you've done is you've done a sum there and said, it's actually slightly efficient if I save here, but then you've died anyway. So you've lost the round and you've died. So you haven't accomplished anything and you've just given the round up for free. So same scenario. Here's what I would say to Fnatic. Right, what the fuck was your understanding of your roster if you cut Smuya to keep the Swedish players and you're now not only going to lose Brolan, I would put my, I would put money that Crims won't be in this team in six months from now. He will be off playing with probably JW and Flusher or maybe, who knows, if you really fuck it up, maybe he goes to an IP, for God's sake. And as Rich says, this is also such a fuck up in terms of the management because if you go back even a couple of years, I'll just say it straight up, before Device joined this team, this wasn't, it was the other way around. Fnatic was the team you went to because Fnatic always were the team who rebuilt the champions, had the good Swedish players, even financially were just as good, if not better in CSGO than NIP. Somehow NIP has shifted the whole dynamic. They now were the Swedish team, even though they've actually got a fucking Danish, two Danish players in theory on the roster. They're now the team that people want to go to in this scenario. By the way, spoiler, that means Brolan wasn't even necessarily totally telling the truth because actually, like, supposedly the Danish players, like, they can speak Swedish, but they're not quite as good still. They're like leveling up. So in theory, it's not even it's not even that you have to be Swedish. It's like you just have to sort of fit his atmosphere. And spoiler, I don't think he liked Smoothie. I think he thought he was just a loudmouth British idiot. And he is, but that's just the fucking nature of the game, and it beggars can't be choosers. So I think, unfortunately, it's brilliant for Nip. I actually think, for real, if Device does come back, and this isn't some sort of play to replace him, if Device comes back, they already have some fabulous pieces. Between Device, Brolin, first of all, there's his stars. Then you've got Hampers, who actually low-key, outside of being an IGL, is a really interesting, unique player. And then if Rez has to be your fourth best player, and then Essa tags the fifth, that's that's like a potential like top five team. That's actually a really good team. Maybe it's not great IGL wise, but you'd have so much firepower, so many skilled players. Like even though Nip last year was a bit underwhelming, this is the lineup that goes places. So if on the Nip side, amazing job. Fnatic side, I think it's terrible. And I think for Brolan, I can't really blame him. Like Fnatic had promise, but it wouldn't be as good as the lineup I was just potentially describing if Nip can get it all together. By the way, the on the on your uh, saving analogy, uh, especially for those who like don't watch uh, CS:GO. The best thing I can compare it to, which is my biggest peeve and has been since the inception of League of Legends, is lazy basing in League of Legends. You right. always see people dying and getting caught out because they just can't be bothered to go back a few paces that would put them out of range of anything. And whenever you talk to pro players about it and say, what are you doing? Why don't you just take the few steps back? Like, it's just a lazy fucking base. And players do this at all levels, by the way, yeah, in the yeah. same way that they aggro peak in, like, Nova games in, yeah, in CSGO. Yeah. And they always say... 
oh, you don't understand. You know, it's the tempo. It's super. I was like, fuck off. Like, so that it's worth trading one second of tempo for you dying and giving that other guy gold. Like, miss me with that. But they always try and defend it. And I can imagine the CSGO players always try and defend that in the same way as oh, well. Of course, yeah. But yeah, in, in terms of the Fnatic, though, and I wanted to throw this back to you, Thorin. As I said, yeah, from from an outside outside perspective, obviously it looks like good nip, bad Fnatic. But what what do you even think Fnatic's plan is? What do you even think they're planning to do with the roster? Because they're clearing the decks, and in this case, clearing the decks of like good pieces. But what are they replacing them with? Because if I look at the players that are realistically available that haven't just left or you know flushes, you know, gone off to do his own thing, or whatever, what are they doing? Like, who's coming in here? Because I don't see the light at the end of the tunnel, at least not in the short yeah. term. No, the, the reason they're in big trouble is there's not even rumours I'm getting behind the scenes of like, oh, at least this player's going, or, you know, they had this guy in the works and, you know, it's not even the angle of sort of like, oh, you know, he this guy wanted to reconnect with this player, so we were just saying, you know, if it's possible. As far as I can tell, each move seems like it's done in isolation, which is why I say I think they're fucked up on the brawl out one, because if he'd have known this was going to happen, you just rewind and you let him leave and he keeps smooth you, don't you? Like, so even though I'm not the huge smooth fan, I think they've misplayed the hand there. The, the analogy would be, if you know the game Knockout Whist, they're just the moron who plays the fucking ace Trump immediately, which is like you always save that, don't you? It's a fucking OP card. So anyway, these people don't get it. So they've, mis they've misplayed their strategy. And the bigger thing for me is, since they're an international team now, the big problem they have is this, which is they, because they historically were Swedish, they're not FaZe Clan. Like people know if you go to FaZe Clan, it'll always be an international team. It'll always eventually get the stars again. You'll get highly paid. You'll get loads of fans and you'll, you'll eventually it'll be a winner. People only know with Sw Fnatic, they rebuild around the same Swedish players, which they're not doing now, Explicitly. So to me, if I had to guess, dude, the kind of players they get are like the ones they got for the standard. It's like someone who's available, like Poison, gamble on him. By the way, it's just you're just back in the same smooth you bought all over again. You're gambling on a troubled player with some potential that someone else doesn't have. But the biggest reason this is a killer is everyone just did their roster moves two months ago. So the joke is all the people you would have wanted, and by the way, there were loads available, they've all got their teams now. Sometimes worse teams. I'll give you an example. In this exact tournament, Pro League, Ents over in the other group. Right on paper, ends the org is nothing compared to Fnatic. They're not even in the same world. It, only CS goes the game they're relevant in. Minus StarCraft Two, if you don't know, and I think like Rainbow Six or something. This is crazy because if you go look right now, Ents has the players that should be in Fnatic. If you're going to be an international team, they have an international squad with loads of skilled players and a veteran IGL. They have the veteran IGL in Fnatic. They don't have all the young players. Like, what the fuck? Like, the joke is they should have those players. And by the way, I guarantee they get paid way less in ends than they would in Fnatic. So that just tells me something about this plan. Essentially, I don't think they had a plan, Rich. I think whatever plan they had, they made a couple of, like, compromises and it's just collapsed in on itself. And now, now it is almost a rebuild. You're almost starting from nothing again, even though you've kept three of the players. And the problem is, if you build around Alex, and, like, again, some people might think this is oversimplified or cynical, but I really don't think this is exaggerating much. The problem is that you're building around a UK player and a lot of the way that these players build teams and go off and make, you know, their own orgs and call themselves teamless and get picked up by someone else and then this guy moves up to one play. Like, people team with their friends a lot in Counter-Strike. Go and look at the French scene. Yes, a lot of it has to do with language as well, of course, but look at the the fucking tree charts of the players who've left teams and joined other teams. These guys go full circle over and yes. over again and always end up playing with the same people, especially if in, in the Scandi, Scandi scene, in the American scene, in the French scene. It's always the same players teaming with each other. So when you take someone like Alex, and again, it's not as simple as just saying, well, there aren't very many British players, but that is part of it. Like there aren't obvious connections where it's like, 
Alex was tight with this guy. He was on a tier one team with it. No, he wasn't. He wasn't on a tier one team with anyone. He's being built around in Fnatic now, and there aren't any obvious... So basically, people have to go to your team independent of liking the person you're building around, which is a huge fucking problem. What do you guys think is maybe the next step for an IP then, if we, if we, if we shift the focus there? Having acquired Broland, you guys saying that's a pretty good roster. Do you the problem see anything there is happening with him? We still just don't. There's, there's basically no news at all about Device, and unfortunately, he is the big name. Essentially, he is supposed to be like the perks of his team, the caps of his team. He's supposed to be like the name that we've that the whole squad's basically built around. And unfortunately, because his reasons for leaving were mental health, and he even expressly tried to say in a tweet, "It's not that you know he's going to leave the team; he's just leaving play." I mean, the problem with that topic is it's also even the hardest to criticise, isn't it? Because you don't want to really be saying to, like, a depressed person, like, get your ass out of bed, just fucking do it. I will mm. say this, though. I don't care that this is a player that I've liked a long, long time. I would have considered him a friend, someone I've mentored to some degree. There's a point at which, even if it is an extreme depression, there is a point at which you have to actually care about the, the, the care of the other four people more than that one person. You can't treat them like a baby. As in, if like it has already been over three months since he last played a, a map of Counter-Strike for Nip. Right, in my opinion, that's your leave. You had your three months. If you can't continue, look, even if you're benched, that's fine. Just tell me, though, and let's plan the next six months we know you're not playing. And then we work with our fifth player. We use one of these other players, and we just and, and we know it's the team. Because the problem I have right now is the team without him has actually performed incredibly admirably well. They have been way better than you'd expect without their big name. But if you're those players, you have no idea if he's walking in tomorrow or in two months. And that, like, that will eventually get to people, in my opinion. That will eventually should just crush all the confidence in it and any kind of concept of like momentum of building a big roster that won't matter if he just doesn't play for like six months you know you've got to, it's got to, we've got to have an answer one way or another even if it is that he has to take a sabbatical from the game itself you know what do you think the ceiling is of that roster assuming device does come back I would still say they'd be very good. Like I said, the problem I have is they don't have the great in-game leader. In, in some senses, they're inverted in that sense between Fnatic and NIP. But I would say, like I said, if you have those pieces, if you have Brolan, Device, Hampus, those three alone, by the way, are very good players at their roles. If Rez only has to be your fourth and Essa tags your fill, like I said, that's a pretty good life. Like that team, like I said, that could be like the fourth or fifth best team in the world if things go well. Anything else you want to add on to that, Rich? No, I would. Well, we I would even say. I would even uh, say it sort of more emphatically that I think they're a player short. Obviously, basically, and as Foreign said, like an in-game leader. Um, but I actually think, given the right set of circumstances, and obviously you need a, a few things to go your way, I think they could actually contend at a major if they if they had that in-game leader. I think they have enough firepower on that team. It only t again, obviously, this is all predicated on Device coming back and being Device. But if Device is close to Apex Device and you have Brolan and you have these other pieces... Charles, with a, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you said Apex. Oh, no, no, no. No, no, no. I, I meant uh, him at his Apex. Oh, oh sorry. Okay. Yeah, um, <laughs> then, but yeah, basically, yeah, if you have Astralis device, essentially, then I think, and you have that in-game leader and you have the, other, the, the rest of the firepower that they have, then I do think they could actually contend for a major. Um, it only takes, you know, people hitting purple patches at the right time. They'll never be a favourite, let's put it that way, in terms of how the other teams or the top teams are composed right now. But they could win a bunch of rando tournaments for sure, and they could definitely contend or upset at a major, I would say. All right, so some pretty high upsides there for the NIP team and Fnatic being left in limbo a little bit. It seems weird that they're kind of lo losing, like, you know, something similar with, with Reckless and, and Broland, like, quite... 
quite close to each other in the in the organizations obviously they're, they're different different sports and stuff but still it's, it's interesting how that happens uh, there's even if there's even a, an angle that's even weirder which is if people don't know one thing they actually pioneered and i used to think this is a meme but it's real actually to be fair one of the things they pioneered in fanatic was they took their most legendary player who was a swedish player in counter-strike khan who was their leader the whole time he's effectively like the yellow star of their csgo team and they made him this title it's called chief gaming officer right now i thought that was a meme which is like you're really just like a fucking glorified streamer or something like you do but no it's essentially you're a management guy but his job is he's sort of like that I mean other teams might call it like director of esports or whatever you oversee all the projects where people don't know he is Swedish so it's actually very bizarre that it's his fellow Swedish superstar players that bloody leave you'd think that'd be the player he'd have like you know the personal connection with you bring him under your shoulder Montab. so yeah that's actually a little bit alarming you know it makes you wonder where the Orcs headed the Swedish players are in exile from from Fnatic a big exodus happening there uh I think that's about it. What we want to talk about for today is there anything that you two want to kind of cap off? Any any topics you want to add? Anything extra to before we round things off here? No. All I'll say stuff. is okay, if yes. TSM have not delivered my fucking jersey by this time <laughs> next week, then I'm going full fucking. I'm raising a social media army and shit's going down because <laughs> that is egregious. I just checked my email now during uh, Thorin's last soliloquy and it's still not nothing. been uh, nothing. So. Yeah. Here's the thing, right. though. In some ways, I will say, if you never do get the jersey, at least if I do just reignite the, the holy war between Rich and TSM, I feel like I've done something for the community. I feel like the forfeit was still worth it in the end, wasn't it, guys? Yeah, I dare you not to send that jersey. <laughs> I fucking dare you. You've got enough problems, Reggie, mate. You've got enough fucking... You've got enough Brussels sprouts on your plate to be getting through, mate. <laughs> <laughs> this is the thing by the way like people might think that there are like certain people on social media who are routinely go after Froscorin, reginald riot in general or whatever i've actually been very reserved on reggie specifically bearing in mind that this is the guy who's probably most negatively affected my career inadvertently oh. out of anyone despite it all just being predicated on lies that this little weasel made up. So he can really consider himself lucky up to this point. But if I don't get that fucking jersey, that will ironically be the thing that sends me into full fucking rage mode. So I really want that fuck. I never thought I'd be speaking publicly saying that I really want my TSM jersey to arrive. I feel like I've I feel like I've submerged into the TSM subreddit and I now can I've actually like tapped into their mindset and this is where my anger's headed. Fuck Peter Zang conflict of interest. Reggie fucking your AD carry. I don't care about it. Where's my fucking jersey, Reginald? All right, you'll have to tune in next time to see whether or not Rich has his TSM jersey or whether we are starting uh, our own version of uh, a fresh world war with Rich versus Reggie. Thanks a lot for watching this episode, guys. We'll see you next time.